Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? Good morning, fellas. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning, guys. Big fan of the show. It's Jeremy White and Joe DiBiase. Good morning, Jeremy and Joe. Hello there. Hey, you guys! Hey, guys. Love the show. Big fans. Over probably 20 years. Hey, guys. How you doing today? Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, how you doing? Call or text WGR at 803-0550 or post on X at WGR550 and get connected to Jeremy and Joe now. Good morning, Jeremy and Joe. Winter has arrived. You know, there's a lot of winter is coming stuff, and then we get most of the way through winter, and then he... Okay, now it's here. Winter. For a couple days, at least. Yeah, it's cold outside and uh, some snow on the ground. You know, last night... Or not last night. Yesterday morning, I woke up and saw the snow and thought, is there enough to have to shovel, snow, yeah. snow blow, anything? Cause it was super windy on, uh, what, Saturday night? Crazy windy. Crazy wind Saturday. We were looking to go to somewhere for brunch yesterday, and the place we were going was, I guess, right into, like, North Towns, like, even north of that, like, where it was supposed to be bad. Hmm. And we're like, as we're driving up, should we be driving in this? <laughs> like, there's no driving bans or anything. We've seen ten times worse in the last year every time there's winter weather. There were, like, six cars that we counted there and back that were, like, off to the side, like, in the ditch. So, hopefully you, you know, were driving safe yesterday. Because yeah. it, was, it was slick, for sure. Snowy, blustery, and cold. 18 degrees right now. That streak, I'm sure that streak ended last week or two weeks ago. That streak of consecutive days without a temperature in the teens. I think that actually maybe ended for the Bills-Steelers game. Or maybe it was the Bills-Chiefs game. One of those two games, I think it was in the teens. Okay. Yeah. So it was almost a full 11 months then, because it was yeah. February last year, around this time, where the last day in the... That's the funny thing. It's like like you said, it might be over in a couple of days. It's going to be low of 17 today and tomorrow, yep. and then maybe later in the week, but my... Uh, I know it's a phone app. Yeah. My phone app shows a low of 45 next week. A low of a 45. Low. And a high Love of six, 65 on Wednesday. Whether we're going to melt, then, is what we're going to get. Yeah, I guess so. We're going to get a gross melt. That groundhog, though, was supposed to tell us that this wasn't going to happen this week. Come on, groundhog. <laughs> what do you, you said spring right away. You said early spring. Early spring. That's right. I guess yeah. it doesn't happen immediately. Right. Within, what is it, within six weeks? I, I've never understood the, the math of it because 
March 21st, the first day of spring, finger quotes, is always like seven weeks away, mm-hmm. eight weeks. So it's either going to be March 21st or a little before that. Okay, I guess. Six more weeks of winter or an early spring. Both of those sound the same. Right. Right, that's right. It just says, I guess there is no exact math to it, just that spring will arrive early. Okay. That's well, it. as someone that uh, furiously defends fall starting on September 1st, uh, spring starts on March 1st. Period. On March 1st? March, no, April, no May. What. March, April, May is if, spring. If there's three feet of snow on the ground, that's you're right. be so, coming so, in here telling me that today's the first day of spring? That's right. Just like when it's 87 degrees on September 5th, that is fall. We do the months, not the equinoxes, at least in my house we do. Uh, anyway, so yeah, it's it's currently winter. We would Nobody would dispute that, right? Currently winter. No, it's right now it's winter. Cold. Yep. Cold, wintry, all that. The Sabres are home today for a 12-30 face-off. Yeah, for uh, for President's Day. Yeah. How many times has a... Because they're playing the Ducks. Yeah. How many times has a West Coast team played a 12-30 day game on the East Coast? Can't be normal because what... If you're if you're a diehard Anaheim Ducks fan out there and you're suffering too because that team stinks and they just you, got waxed by the Leafs nine to two right right oh you're coming off nine yeah, to two nine to two season's horrible this team's going nowhere they haven't been good since Getzloff and wait what time are we playing the Sabers yeah nine thirty it's not even like right the Leafs is least like a marquee opponent we're playing the Sabers at what time nine thirty nine thirty in the morning. I don't mind that on a weekend, right? Because that's why I'm into the Premier League, I think, in part, is that you get some morning, early. Some morning sports. 9.30 for Ducks and Sabres if you're out in Anaheim. Yeah, that's pretty early, and on, I can't imagine that's On very, President's Day. That's yeah. probably not normal. 12.30 today from KeyBank Centers. The Sabres look to go back-to-back. they got to win over the weekend against the uh, Minnesota Wild. And uh, Have they still not won three in a row this year? I don't think. I think they have three two-game win streaks. They have, I think you're right, they have three two-game win streaks, and they don't have a three-game win streak Yep, all year. I mean, they wouldn't, if they won today, they still wouldn't have that. They would only be back-to-back, but then they play Montreal and Columbus, so. All right. Did, did, on the Sabres, did you see, the? there's a little mini controversy over the weekend about the Sabres. Maybe, have you seen it? Have you not seen it? No. It comes courtesy so. of Mike Harrington of the Buffalo News has an Around the NHL article piece where he points out, Oh, that Sabres players are not too happy about getting booed at home. Yep. And and in particular I, about Granado, right? Be also being the, the they're still like about the fired Granado chance. Yes. That happened what? One game back in December? It's not like a a like a night to night thing that you're getting those. I the only other time I remember like vivid fire this guy chance was when Darcy went into that rebuild the suffering year as the general manager and it was like every night for the first five six home games of that season if I remember correctly Granado got those chance like one time for like a second in a game in December but that they don't like being booed at home I know was a part of that too so there's a second part of that and this is something I had not noticed Mike writes about this about the Sabres and you know th- th- this this topic is gonna <laughs> it's gonna bother some people not hopefully not that we're talking about it, but just the, that it exists. He points out that fans had pointed out to him, and I, no one had said this to me, but that's I mean, that's all right. Mike's at every game. I'm not at every game. We can ask Paul about this. We'll talk about it with Paul at eight o'clock. After you win a game, you skate out to center ice and salute the fans. You know, like you raise your sticks and tap it on the ice. 
Right. And the Sabres had stopped doing that. Huh. The team stopped doing that. Saluting the fans that were there after they got a win. Or, I mean, sometimes teams do it after losses and just, you know, salute the fans. That it had stopped happening. And that there was a, a game against the Kings where they went 7 to nothing. And Mike writes in his piece that he stayed in his seat to see if, in fact, they were not doing it. And that some players decided we should do it today. And not everybody, but some went out to do that. Mm-hmm. So what this all gets hmm. to, right, what this all gets to is I've got a hockey team that feels like they're being, what, Abused? No, that's probably a little strong. Not not supported. Disrespected, not supported in their home games. They don't appreciate getting booed, and they made a point to not salute fans. He quoted a veteran player who who said, We love our fans because when this place gets going, it seriously gets going, and I get all the frustration of how many years it's been. But most guys in here haven't been here very long. Kevin hasn't been. Donnie hasn't been. You can't put that all on them. And I remember, I don't know which game it was, but there was a game, boy, probably a month ago, maybe more, where afterward, it was probably the Fire Donnie game, whenever they were chanting. Which, which was the game they gave up nine to Columbus, by sure. the way. I just looked it up. It was the and, game they gave up nine to Columbus and then won by nine or whatever against Toronto the next, you know, two nights later. That's right. That's right. Because they came back after the Fire Donnie game and said, like, that's how we're going to play. That's, that's more of who we can be. And of course, like, right. you know, that wasn't who they're going to be long term. But I remember after that, that game, Columbus, okay, that's probably the one, where Oposo said something very similar to that. So while Mike Harrington has, has quoted a player here given anonymity, it sounds like Oposo to me. Because Oposo, after that game, mm-hmm. had said, you know, the whole thing is not on us in here. We know that. He basically said the fans are up, upset about 13 years or a, a decade of problems, and that's not on us. And I remember coming in the next morning and saying, like, man, Kyle Oposo really missed it. That's not what you say as the captain of this team. Say, like, it's not on us. Because while the fans are of the Sabres, you know, are certainly disappointed and upset about how long they've been bad, anybody booing in an arena when you lose 9 to whatever is not booing the 2017 version of your team. They're booing a team that got blown out at home, right? Like, you gave up 9 to the worst team in the East. That's what they're booing. Yeah. And this whole thing that Mike writes about is just basically like, man, they are a team that has a a, a strained relationship with their own fans, which is just crazy. Uh, it reminds me of the opposite approach that – say what you want about Sean McDermott. Here's a quote from Sean McDermott in his opening <laughs> press conference when asked about the 17-year playoff drought. He said, as a head coach, I believe that the minute I was hired, I own that. I'm a part of that. So to try to separate oneself from that, I think, is the wrong approach. Wow. McDermott said that on day one. Day one. Oposo is in year seven with the team? Right. That's the... It, well, right. We don't know that it's Oposo, but... Like, no, but he said it back against Columbus. But he said it against Columbus. So it doesn't right. have to be the an anonymous veteran in Mike right. Harrington's piece. He said it against Columbus. That's right. Which, at that point... I mean, doing rough math here, year six, year seven. Dude, you've been here for half of it. You've been here for half of it. It's been 13 years. You've been here for six or seven years. Like It's a long time. So, sure, right. I mean, could we be at uh, Zach Benson? You know, probably not 
the guy to be Bronx cheering because he just got here and he's 18 years old. Lukanen got some Bronx cheers at some point during the season, too, that he probably didn't deserve. But listen, there are going to be strays that are that are caught, I think, because it's not something that any fan base in NHL history has ever been asked to do. So I don't know what you're I don't know what you want. What do you want? Right? What do you what do you expect? You got the support last year. Yep. And And it was because of last year. Yeah, it was earned. It wasn't because like the twelve years before it had been wiped out. It's because you got it in one year. Right. It was earned. Yep. And this year, I mean, I don't know yeah, I don't know. If if there's any sentiment like that that the the fans are giving proper respect to this team, I mean Give me a break. What is this? What is the fan base again? Has no fan base has ever been asked to do what this fan base has been asked to do because a 13 year playoff drought has never happened before. It's never happened. And they haven't even been close other than one time. So, yeah, I don't know what they want. I don't know. I don't know what the expectation is. If they've stopped going to center ice to salute the fans because they're, they're mad at the level of support. Yeah. They've received. I just. I don't. I don't think they get it. I don't think there's any understanding of what's going on here from the players overall. If that. If that is indeed what has happened. Yeah. There's a conversation to be had about you know how bad is this team really? A lot of their underlying numbers are not that bad. No. And five and five, five and five at least. Yeah. Power play. They're horrible. If you if you do the autopsy on this team, well, there's still plenty of season left, and they'll play today at twelve thirty. But if you did the autopsy on this team, what you'd see is like, yeah, they're pretty good at most things, except the power play has been so unbelievably bad mm-hmm. that it's the single reason they're not competitive. They could definitely, but just, just they could be three points out of a playoff spot, and we could be sitting here having a season. But the power play has been so incredibly bad that it sinks everything else. Here's Lukanen again, by the way, another performance from Lukanen. Yeah. His save percentage, I saw numbers on him, that he had an incredible game and his save percentage dropped because it's been so high. He's given you six weeks. Lukadin's given you the kind of save percentage that if he was doing this last year, even for a span of six weeks, the Sabres make the playoffs comfortably because goalies steal them games instead of submarine them, which had been happening for a couple of years. It's almost a cruel joke for the Sabres and maybe for Granado too. He needed some goaltending last year and he's getting it this year. Right. And the year before, and the year before, and the year before, I mean, this organization has kind of been stuck trying to find some answers in goal, and here's Lucan and has jumped into that spot and deserves plenty of credit for it. Hopefully it, it lasts long-term and he can be their number one. But th- that's the other frustrating part. And, you know, if they ultimately decide to not make major changes in this offseason, Joe, there will be a defense for it of, listen, we had a, mm-hmm. we had a bad year, our big guns didn't go, but, you know, if you want to get mad at the head coach, he's not, he's not the one shooting the puck. And we've got a lot of players that had bad years. They've had good years under him. You know, how much is his fault? I, I don't imagine that would go over well with a lot of the fans because you want some change no matter what. Either way, here we are. It is wild to hear the players are upset with the fans. It's a miracle that they have any support. That's right. Like Anybody that goes to yeah. the, these games and attends them and cheers them on, it's not even just going to a game. It's... It's signing up to often go to a, 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 an environment that feels like that for the fans, too. It's not jazzed up or juiced up unless it's a kids' day game. I go to a lot of the kids' day games, and those are tons of fun. Plenty of energy in the stands. Some of those kids have been born during this stretch. 
I mean, there's an average of 16,000 fans this year. 15,900 is their average. Is that, that's not... That's paid. That's paid. At that's end. paid. But either way, like the other teams, that would be similar of, right? How good, how, good were, how good were the San Jose Sharks? For how long were the San Jose Sharks? This is like their first really, really bad year. Maybe last year, too. Like, they're only a year or two into their team not being very competitive. They're at like thir- they're at 13,000. Hmm. Where's Winnipeg at? Where was like kind of been... Again, kind of a down year a little bit. Oh, I think they're kind of back in the playoffs now. 13,000 for the year. The Ducks, 14. Like, there are bad teams in here that just kind of got bad recently, and they're averaging less attendance than you are. And, you know, like the experience, it's not like they're not fun this year, right? At least even at times, maybe two years ago was more the season for this than last year, but last year, of course, is true, where okay, they're not that good yet, they're not great yet, but at least they're fun, right? At least they score, at least they take chances, at least they're they're an entertaining brand of hockey. Whereas this game today or the, the games last week or whatever, like th- these are games where you go to attend, and what are you expecting? You're expecting probably a loss, given the way the season's gone, especially the way they've played at home. And you're probably not expecting a very exciting product. They don't play a very exciting brand of hockey this year. They're kind of boring. So I don't I don't know what the expectation is. I mean, if the players want more support, that's earned. That's not given, yeah. especially at this point. There has to be an understanding that this is a 13-year playoff drought. And there's not going to be a benefit of the doubt given to... I mean, some will get it. Zach Benson will get it. The guys right. that just got here, I think the fans are smart enough to know that. But right, is Kyle Poso going to get the benefit of the doubt? Is Zemgus Giergens going to get the benefit of the doubt? He's been here for the whole thing. Right, which is incredible. Meanwhile, yeah, it's not like I don't hear fans booing Tage. I don't hear fans booing Cousins. You get the occasional, you know, where where's this guy been? Top players not being top players. Guys will get, like, they'll get booed, like, going off the ice at the end of a period. Yeah. Right? Like, if they've, if they've had a bad period. And that's about it. But how different is that from other places? No, it happens everywhere. Right. Like, if the Winnipeg Jets have a bad second period, there's not going to be groans and boos? Like- the Sabres in the playoffs. Last time they played in the playoffs, was the Flyers the last time they played the playoffs? Right? Yes. That's the last series. Yep. The Flyers got booed off their home ice in game one in the first period. <laughs> last time the Sabres were in the playoffs, the team they played against got booed off their own ice um, and won the series. Yeah, there's a good one uh, from a few years ago. Not a good one. It's a pretty bad one, actually. The Capitals were in the middle of their contending period, right? They maybe hadn't won the Cup yet, but they were playoffs all the time. And their owner had died, like, recently. And they had given out, like, wristbands, like, commemorating him. And they what, what, lost a game, like, 5 nothing, and the fans started throwing the wristband, the bracelets on the ice. How long ago was this? Like maybe five years ago. Well, Ted Leonsis has owned the owner has owned the team for a long time. And maybe maybe it was someone else. Though. Okay, maybe it wasn't else, the owner. Like a, a franchise great or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I trust that you're right on it. Yeah. Game three. It was actually it was a playoff game. Uh that they against the Flyers where they oh, I'll find it. I'll find the exact okay. things. But basically that's what happened. They were throwing wristbands commemorating someone on the ice when they were really good. And like that happens around the league everywhere. Yeah, to more extreme Absolutely. circumstances. Eight oh three oh five fifty. Not trying to be downers early on. I mean, just <laughs> hey, it's game today, twelve thirty, and uh, we got to figure out a hot dog. 
Hot dog of the day for Anaheim. Anaheim, Anaheim hot dog. They'll try to differentiate, I'm sure, from uh, Southern California. Maybe, uh, maybe a Disney theme. You could just put a duck on it. A duck. You could I mean, like a whole live duck. You, well, pieces of one. <laughs> you pieces. Can eat, you can eat duck. Pieces of a duck. Pieces of a duck. Okay. If you want, that's that's an option. Anaheim. Right. What's the difference between Anaheim and L.A.? Angels, ducks. Yep. Disney is a good one. Mighty Ducks. What about the all-time great franchise player for the Ducks? Who's that? Paul Correa. Timu Solani. Timu Solani. Those are both good Oh, Sal- Salami? Kind the, of a playoff of uh, the, the, the Salani dog? The Timu Salami dog. The Timu Salami dog. There we go. I, I mean, we got something here. Yeah. So that we'll figure with that as today as well. Eight oh three oh five fifty. I have the correction, by the way. It was okay. it was against the Capitals. It was Flyers fans uh, that were paying tribute to their team's owner Ed Snyder, who had died that week. And this was in twenty sixteen. They started throwing the rest bands on the ice after they were getting pummeled by the Capitals. There you go. That's what it was. Okay. So Philly fans. <laughs> not not, su- not 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 the biggest surprise. Not surprising. Yeah. I mean, Leaf fans have had a strained relationship for years, right? Uh, there Those, was a jersey thrown on the ice earlier this season. Uh, it was in Buffalo. But, I mean, there were a lot of Leaf fans. But the jersey game. thrown on the ice became a thing Yeah, in Toronto. Yeah, you know what? Like, Sabre players, would, would jerseys start getting thrown on the ice? Then come and talk to me. Because that happens north of the border, like, every year. At least at some point. Yep. When someone throws a Kyle Poso jersey on the ice, then, then come and talk to me. 803-0550. Not to say these players are wrong. I mean, Robin Leonard, when he left, said it's miserable in there, it's terrible in there. Not a coincidence that that was also on a team that was failing to meet expectations. But anyway, here we are. Not trying to be downers. I, I, I kind of didn't expect that we would get this deep in this, on the Sabres this early. But here we are. <laughs> if you have a thought on it, Wait, you, can, you can join us. They're favored today. Oh, good. They're favored. So today, today could be good. They're playing a bad team at home. Come on. Go win that game. Yeah, right. You have to, to get... Nine points out of a playoff spot, or whatever it would be. I think there's still ten. Still ten? Still ten points out. Detroit has 62 points. Buffalo has 52 points. So, still ten points out of a playoff spot. Less than uh, 30 games remaining. When Pittsburgh and Washington, I'm looking at the standings right now, Pittsburgh and Washington are the two teams right above the Sabres. Those two teams, they've aged out. And they weren't, the Sabres weren't ready, sitting there to kind of take over. There's Detroit. Detroit and Philly. Philly. Weirdly, have been the two teams that have jumped in. Philly is tough. Tough to take, Philly. Yeah, Tortorella and Ristolainen. Like, come on. How did that happen? Yep. Tortorella's an interesting point there. Like, it's a guy that's coached a million places. It's worked some places. It hasn't worked other places. Has know. he ever not at least, like, made the playoff somewhere, though? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, normally he'll make it, and then it'll kind of go, it'll get sour quickly after that. Um, I guess... Philly would be the place here that hasn't. Not yet, but he made he it. Made he it. made it in Columbus. Okay, made right. it in Vancouver, of course. Made it in Tampa I and mean, won the cup in Tampa. So yeah, wherever he goes, the, the uh, Rangers, the Rangers, Rangers, he would have made it. Right? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Philly is the uh, the one that's left. Stanley Cup champion in two thousand three, two thousand four. His longest stretch outside of the playoffs is the last three years. Although this year looks like they're going to make it, he often is the name that comes up when like one of like whatever you're having a conversation about the coach and like whatever the drought and it's what they need is a Tortorella type coach. How many times has that been said in the last thirteen years that they need a Tortorella type coach? And normally I'll roll my eyes at that, 
but I don't know. I'm, I'm, at, I'm at a point where like I'm, there's nothing that sounds nuts to me. 8030550 is our phone number. Good morning. Happy Monday. Happy President's Day. If you're uh, working today, so are we. And if you're not, well, you know, you can hang out with us. I'm ready to blow Joe's mind when I tell him that I want to talk about Derrick Henry as an idea to the I, Bills. I can't believe yeah, what, that's ha- right. what happened over the Bills the are finally off the uh, odds to get Derrick Henry list. And you're trying to put them back on I'm it. just, I'm ready to have a conversation about it. I saw an interesting stat on Derrick Henry, and the Bills, I think, have a couple of openings at the position. We can argue about Naheem Hines for a little while if you want. Mm. So, you know, it's on the list of things to do is talk about Derrick Henry. Wide receiver idea of the day. Other good stuff coming up for you as well. Jordan Spieth got DQ'd from the Genesis Invitational, and I saw, you know, it's a, it's a great example of we could just change rules, right? Hey, change a rule, but the rule might actually be good, and I'll explain that as well. This day in history is a day. We'll see if you remember. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, so plenty to get to. 803-0550, Jeremy and Joe, Josh Schmidt back producing after a couple days off. He skate, You skated on the ice at the arena. I saw that. I did. Nice. It was, did any Very fans cool. boo you from the stands? <laughs> I, I saw one guy way up in like 326. Really letting you have Very happy. Like, you know, but, you so know, you, live you and learn. Wanted you to shoot on the power play? That guy's real upset. He's, <laughs> he's still there. He's still there. He lives there. Anyone, on the, any, anyone ever comes onto the ice, that guy in 326 just lives there and boos you. Yeah, we had our, our company, if you want to go skate on the ice, I saw Sal was there with his son, and uh, Josh was there as well. So, good stuff. 803 to join us on this uh, chilly Monday. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. I think the All-Star game in general needs a little revamping because it used to be competitive. Fans want to see the best pickup game in the world. Like, yeah. That's what this is. They don't yeah. want to see you running up and down and dunking and doing all this crazy. Like They want to see the what happens when you get this collection of best basketball players on the planet. And they play and they go head up against each other. I mean, you guys play harder at a pickup game in UCLA. For real. And ain't billions of people watching. For real. Definitely do. You know what I'm saying? The late Kobe Bryant there on the NBA All-Star game. Watched a good chunk of that last night. Watched a lot of the All-Star game activities of the NBA this weekend. Had the uh, Sabrina Ionescu and Steph Curry three-point battle, which was awesome. Yeah. Uh, The rest of the stuff, you know, good. Except the dunk contest. Except the dunk contest. Dunk contest kind of stinks. Well, it's you know it'll never reach what it once was. No. But Jalen Brown doing it, I thought like oh the real all star that <laughs> oh and like and what is he? There just wasn't much happening. Shaq was like they showed Shaq on camera, visibly like just not impressed by anything. It was really funny. Yeah. There's yeah. a question to be asked about the NBA All Star Game, which is simply this: Why haven't they changed it yet? Think of the changes these All Star games have gone through. Mm-hmm. Baseball tried to tie in the World Series home field advantage and then ditch that and like, oh, let's just play an all-star game. Yeah. And baseball still looks like baseball. It's I don't think people get too mad about it. So base, baseball doesn't really have this problem because a baseball all-star game has the intensity of a regular baseball game, which is often not that intense. Right. I mean, right. all due respect to baseball. Hockey, what did hockey do? Three-on-three draft teams. Mm-hmm. Let's get weird, right? Let's just let, or, yep. let, let let's have ourselves a time here. Yeah. You're going to pick teams, you're going to go three on three. And we're going to make it harder for you to like just coast the whole way because there's not going to be enough people on the ice to do it. Yeah, and then they, their skills competition, even though Nikita Kucherov made a mockery of it, they offered up a million dollars for a guy to win the skills competition to do, you know, whatever. The Pro Bowl games, the Pro Bowl's drastically changed. And here's the yeah. NBA still rocking this format that currently, as it stands, 
I mean, I feel like complaining about it is missing the mark. If you're complaining about it, you're not you're not part of the problem. But everybody's complained about it for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. I saw LeBron, you know, grab a rebound, go coast to coast and dunk with nobody defending him. And I'm not here to tell you, I really wish they would body up in the All Star game and play defense. That's I'm mm-hmm. not here to do that. It's kind of amazing that the NBA hasn't stolen the NHL's idea. Let's go three on three tournament. We'll go half court. We'll play Kobe Bryant there. The late Kobe Bryant saying like. They want to see the best pickup game in America. Perfect. Three on three. Let's go. Mm-hmm. There's a whole league called the th- threes, yeah, right? The, the, the big, th- uh, the, the Ice Cube League. Yeah, right? where you got retired yeah. players playing three on three. And yeah. if you go play pickup anywhere, it's, I don't know, my experience, it's not a lot of five on five. Sometimes it's four on four. Sometimes it's three on three. Kind of wild. The, the NBA, which is usually ahead of the curve on a lot of this stuff, yeah. is just way behind when it comes to changing this game. I'm watching back some of the highlights from this yesterday because I did not watch a second of it, and they did not. I mean, it just wasn't a game. No. It's not, it's not a real game. There was one game, maybe it was even right after Kobe died, um, that LeBron and Steph basically said, we're going to lead the Charger, like, we're going all out. Like, this is going to be a real game. And it, it was. There was one game that they had where, like, it was a real basketball game, it was really good, it was late drama, and that just didn't last because, right? Like it's not you're, it's not going to last forever. Yeah. I think doing that that way. So half court would be we half court or three on three full court. Half court. Okay. Right. I feel like you can't have half court because then guys just don't want to run back and forth. Right? Isn't that the biggest problem here? Is like these open dunks that happen a million times are just because guys are jogging back, versus if you have it at half court, like you're already there defensively. I've already, yeah. I've got my, my biggest problem might be all these breakaway dunks where three guys are like still back before the half court line. If I do half court, then I th- I've got all five of my defenders. They're already in position. All oh. I can do is turn around, spin the other way. They might, I don't know how much they're going to go intense, intensity wise, but they're going to be there at least. I mean, half court can be just as intense as full court. There's just less, yeah, endurance, less running. Hmm. Clear the ball to the three point line. Fans got to complain enough. Yeah, that's fans got to right. complain enough. That's Isn't that why right. they changed the Pro Bowl? The Pro Bowl got views. I always heard about how like it still the does. Pro Bowl got more ratings than the NHL Finals game, whatever, more than the World Series, and they still changed it. They didn't have to do that. They were getting people to the TV. Didn't the Pro Bowl change primarily to make it so players would stop turning it down? Hey, come, okay. it's fun. Mm-hmm. Rather than you know you're gonna slap on a jersey and fly all the way to Hawaii, right? Which, right, right. I mean for for some that was exciting. Hey, you want a trip to Hawaii? But inst- then they moved to Orlando, and now it's just like, all right, let let's just have some fun. It's an NFL social event. Come out with some teammates. You know the the entire Pro Bowl games concept feels like I'm watching the home run derby. It's just a good right. vibe. Everybody's happy. Yep. And then at the end of it. I don't know. It feels like there's not a lot of hand wringing about the quality of the game, about playing defense. How how hard should I want to play defense in a game like this? I I'm a defender. I'm a clear the front of the net defender in the NHL who gets beat on all day and beats on guys in front. And it's an all star game. It's my day off. You want me to go in there and just grind my nose into the ground? No thanks. I'm a NBA defender, a low post defender who's just taking shots all day and body. Please, you know, give me a day off. Yeah. I'm a 
defensive linemen. <laughs> we, re- we refer to every one of these plays as a car crash. Right. I Should get- I just go get in 30 more car crashes during the Pro Bowl? Like, I, don't, I actually don't have any problem with the players that, you know, want to treat it like a vacation. It's supposed to be. Hey, it's an honor to be here. You, you've been selected. Congratulations. Don't go out there and, you know, blow out your ACL. I, I don't have any problem with that. And I feel like a yep. lot of the hand-wringing and yelling about these these events is just like, eh. It's not the player's fault. It's the league's fault. Fix the format. Do something different. I'm, I'm surprised the NBA hasn't done anything different. Because they're typically the league that's like out in front. The closest thing they did right? is they did the Elam ending for a couple of years, which okay. was good. Yeah. I mean, the first time they did that, it was exciting. It was good. It was different. Yeah. And that's gone now. Yeah. They're the, yeah, they're the league that does the in-season tournament. Right? They're out here trying to create a Champions League within they, their own league. They do the in-season tournament. They do the 7 through 10 play-in tournament yeah. to get in. Yeah, yeah. like the NBA has drastically altered their schedule for the sake of being interesting. And mm-hmm. I'm just kind of surprised their all-star game just sits here and does what it does. Did you watch the, uh, was it the Barkley-Draymond cast, basically? I did see a little bit of that. Was it kind of like a Manning cast? It was an attempt to be, yes. Okay. Yes. But was it, did it hit? Sure. I mean, Barkley okay. and Draymond are both compelling people, right? So yeah, there was yeah. a little bit of trash talk between them. That might be a clip you see going out there. That you know, I saw one clip about Barkley telling him "Good luck in the play-in." Yes, at the at the end of it, which was pretty funny. Yep. Yeah, it is what it is. Eight oh three oh five fifty. Jeremy and Joe with you here on a uh, Monday morning on President's Day. The Sabers are home for a twelve thirty puck drop against the Anaheim Ducks. They come in off a win over Minnesota. Yoki Haru in overtime. Yoki Haru, who had him as a overtime anytime goal scorer. Has he ever? But why is he out there in overtime? Was a question I was wondering in the first place. But how long has he been here? Never even seen him out in an overtime. <laughs> I'm sure it's happened, but yeah, not someone I was expecting to be uh, be an overtime hero by any means against the uh, against the Wild. So good Mid- game. Middlestad scored again. Middlestad and as. Uh, Home state. I don't know if it's much of his hometown. It's his home state. Yep. Probably cool for him. I'm sure he had family in the crowd. Um, that's the team also I always think about for him. Like, all those Minnesota guys always want to go home, don't they? Well, that's the thing. So, to that point, Matthew Collar, who used to work here at WGR, he lives and works in Minnesota, covers the Vikings. And yeah. man, a couple of years ago, I called him and just kind of chatted. Maybe we did it on the air, off the air. I don't remember. But I asked him about the Wild, like Minnesota, the state of hockey, right? How many yeah. college and high school programs and how big a deal it is. And Casey Middlestad was, what, Mr. Minnesota hockey? I mean, he's, yeah. yeah. And he said that the Minnesota Wild rank like 11th in that market. Really? Yes. You'd be blown away at how far behind they are. In the are. state of hockey, the you, Minnesota Wild are like yep. not, a, not a... Yeah, like uni- the University of Minnesota hockey team would be a bigger deal than the Minnesota Wild. Yes. Come on. Yes. I mean that. I know they sell that out, like the Golden Gophers. Like I know they have massive crowds for that. Like in comparison. Yep. But more than the Wild. Yep. Really, he said his opinion. Whatever. Yeah. He's lived there for maybe a decade now. His his opinion was how many seats are in that building. That's how many people care about the Wild. Like it's about it. It's not exactly this thing. They're not like well, they're not they're not it's... opening their radio shows the next day with uh, <laughs> Minnesota Wild takes. I don't know. It's probably for them. It's probably drafting a quarterback and what's Kirk Cousins going to do. Yeah, it's, it's probably. I mean, that's the, the Bills, of course, supersede the Sabers quite often, at least in season. Yeah. 
But, yeah, his his takeaway was the Wild, they don't rate. Twins are ahead of them. Timberwolves are ahead of them. College programs are ahead of them. Yeah. yeah. Well, I still will say that, got, like, my my wondering about, like, Middlesat's future and, like, well, does he want to go home to Minnesota? Like, Zach Parise went home to Minnesota. Parise, right? Parise and Suter did. Yeah. And has and, anybody done that since? Well, maybe maybe there's not a lot. The other name I was going to get to, because I remember thinking it or hearing it for, like, three years, and then it finally did happen, was, hey, Thomas Vanek's going to want to go home to Minnesota someday. <laughs> That's right. And he did end up going to Minnesota. But, right, is there another? There, there might be not be another one, so maybe it's not a thing. Yeah. But I remember Vanek and I remember Parise. Being guys that did that. That did not work out for them. Did it? No. I mean, it worked out for those guys getting paid, but the they Wild... Were, they were... No, they didn't They didn't go deep into the playoffs ever, right? I had the stat last Friday. They've made the playoffs ten times since the last Sabres playoff yeah. appearance. And have they ever won more than two rounds? Did they ever go to a conference finals once in ten trips? I don't think so. I don't think they did. Which that's pretty incredible in its own. That's like that's like being the Leafs without getting all the uh, yeah the reputation of the Leafs just because you're not in Toronto. They've they've lost in the first round the last one two three four five six seven times they've made it. Would we would would we prefer that? Yes. You sure? Yes. Because right, that, that seems like a, t- a special type of hell. Would take it. Would take I it. Probably should say yes to that. Probably should say. Hey, yes at to least that. in 2020 and 2021. They made it to a elimination game. They lost in Game Seven of the Vegas Golden Knights. Hmm. Every other season, they're, they're not even making it to an elimination game. Anyway, enough on the Wild. <laughs> enough, yeah, yeah. The Eight team, o- the team, the Sabers have made the most trades with, by the way, in the last ten years. It's like eleven trades. Jordan Greenway, Jordan Greenway, Eric Stahl, Matt Molson, Matt Molson, and Van, uh, Vanek, right? Yeah. Vanek, bef- no, wait, pa- not Vanek. Pominville. Pominville was the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of them. 803-0550, Paul coming up at 8 o'clock. It's President's Day. 7 o'clock, I've got a Bills topic ready for you. I want to talk about Derrick Henry and the running back room and what they're going to do. Henry's going to go somewhere, and the Bills are going to need bodies at that position. What kind of fit could that potentially be? I've got an interesting stat on that. I'll, I'll, just, I'll promise you just an interesting stat. And uh, if you want to rank Presidents, we can. Ooh. Have a thought, like Presidents draft? Yeah. That might have been done before. It <laughs> probably was. 803-0550, Jeremy and Joe here on uh, Monday morning on WGR. Jim Nance on the call. A 62 for Matsuyama to win the uh, Genesis Invitational. Got a lot of rules officials on the broadcasts. Golf's the golf, one. Though, I don't get mad at golf. Actually explaining the rules is a good idea. Wait, were they rules and analysts or were they like, because oftentimes you'll hear the conversation between the golfer and like the official like rules. This yeah. was the actual broadcast official. Okay. They had a couple times to explain it. One time Matsuyama put his club in the rough and the ball moved a little bit, but didn't move its position. The rules official comes out and says, like, hey, it didn't actually move its position. It's okay. The other thing I saw about rules, and, you know, this was one explanation. Good morning, Jeremy and Joe. So Jordan Spieth got DQ'd for signing the wrong, signing a scorecard that had yeah. the wrong score on it. Mm-hmm. And maybe throughout the process you learn a few things, like this. You keep the other player's score. 
Spieth did not yeah. keep his own score. His playing partner kept score. And then Spieth, I guess, went to the bathroom and signed a card and left and could have gone back and changed it. And you might ask, like, well, it's on TV. Mm-hmm. He's not attempting to lie. Right. Why are you automatically DQ'd if you sign a, a scorecard that's wrong? And the best answer to that is that golf, for the most part, operates the same top to bottom. Not every tournament is on television. Not mm-hmm. every tournament is going to have millions of people be uh, counting your shots. Jim Nance is not calling a tournament that's happening in Wisconsin today. Mm-hmm. So the idea is they're going to place a lot on cheating. And if you sign a scorecard that's wrong, you're out once they can verify that. So, you know, Spieth getting DQ'd was uh, it's tough. I mean, he's a, obviously a, a great player and a, a, a draw to watch, mm-hmm. but... That's the answer, which to me made sense. It's kind of like back when the Sabres were trying to push the NHL to change and thought about nets being different. Remember the Sabres were, had the, the Hulk nets that were bowed out at the posts? Not one you, was this? You don't remember this? What was this? What? Oh, wow. Jim. Remember the blue ice? Same time. Same time? Like Same lockout-ish? Time. The nets, the posts would go out and the crossbar would go up to be more of a circular net. And what did you call them, the Hulk nets? I, I called them the Hulk nets because it looked like the Incredible Hulk pulled them apart like bars. Okay, I want to look for these because I do so not like more remember this at all. It was more of a circle, It yes. was rounded, kind of. Yeah. Where I, yeah. did this idea come from? Here! Here! Buffalo came up with that it, idea. They Blue ice and Hulk nets, yes, the idea was getting scoring back in the game. Okay. Bigger nets. Here we go. March 31st, 2005. Reshaping hockey's future cage redesign touted by Sabres. There you go. All right, I'm going to find. I'm gonna look through this in a second. Wait till you see the picture. And this, it'll make the point lines up. Why couldn't you do it? Because every net in the world would have to change. You shoot on the same net. Right. Right. The, the, the net I shoot on in a beer league is the same as <laughs> it's the one in the NHL. Yes, that's right. You go play... You know, the the kids go watch nine-year-olds play, and they have the net. They yeah. shoot on the net. Quick com- uh, clarification. Thanks, Jeff Minas. You're only DQ'd if you sign for a lower score. If you sign for a higher score, you keep that score. I'm like, oh, sorry, you were down a four, even though you got a three. This is for speed. Even though it's like, it's really the same mistake, isn't it? Well, in one, you are maybe attempting to cheat. In other, you made an obvious mistake. Why would you add a stroke to your score? Mm-hmm. Obvious mistake. Sure. Okay. No allegation of cheating for adding a stroke. I feel like if that happened in a more high-profile spot, they would change the rule, though. What if What if that happened to Spieth and he was... Because when did he know, I guess is a better... Before I go down this road. When when did they disqualify him? Like, are we talking like an hour after he left? Before they, like, confirmed the, that... Oh, wait a minute. Look, hey, Spieth's score wasn't what he signed. Yeah. Like, if it's minutes after the fact, like, did he think that... Every, did everyone think the score at that time was correct? Because what I'm wondering is, how does that play out if it was like a major winner that had the same thing happen? What do they do? They, I mean, by the law, they will take the, they will disqualify the guy. Yeah. And then the next day, the whole sports world is telling the PGA Tour you have to change your rule, or whatever that major is, you have to change your rule. You can't have, you can't, because of a simple mistake, if a guy won by multiple strokes, you can't take the trophy away from him. Well, this is the the big well one of the big issues in golf about bifurcation and unbifurcation, which is a fancy word for 
everything they do, you can do. You can play the same course, you play the same clubs, mm-hmm. you play the same balls. Of course, with the golf ball rollback, that's going to be that has been a topic. But no, the rules are the rules, and you signed a scorecard that had your score lower. You're DQ'd. That happens, you know, everywhere. I I think it. I mean, it, it's a harsh rule, but it's ask it's asking that you, you know, pay close attention. Just don't make that clerical error, and you can keep playing. I'm excited for you to see these Hulk nets for the first time. I'm still trying to find the picture. Got the story, but I don't have the picture. So I'll, I'll, I'll get there. Man, look at you. you the didn't, anticipation. You didn't even know this happened. This happened, no. well, justifiably, you would have been like, what, nine? Yes. You're nine years old, and immediately after these nets were introduced and never used, the Sabres became good and went to the, you know, the conference finals and back-to-back seasons. So the the... The idea that the nets needed to be bigger went away pretty quickly. Did okay. they do that in spite of the NHL? The NHL said no bigger nets, and so they're like, fine, we'll just become I, the best team in hockey. I, I don't, <laughs> you know, this is funny. Like, we need an oral history on this. I don't think they ever practiced with these big, bold, bowed nets in the NHL. I want to say they might have played a game or exhibition game in the AHL with them because the AHL is always this trial ground, right? Hey, let's try right. it here for a year. But I don't even know if they made it that far. The net used to be down at the arena. You could walk through and see, like, oh, I mean, this is now we're going on 18 years ago. This idea came out 19 years ago. Man, look at that. It's been a long time. Has been. I went to the game that they played in Buffalo with the blue ice and the orange lines. Me too. They didn't have the Hulk nets, so I'm guessing. No, they did not have the not Hulk for nets. for that game. 803-0550, When we get back, a couple things come out today. Peter King's Football Morning in America column has... The uh, basically an oral history of the Chiefs trade up for Mahomes, which of course Bills fans involves the Bills. What did Peter King write about that? The Bills rolling it when the deal was struck. What other potential teams were looking to get into that spot? We'll take you through that very quickly and uh, get you an idea on Derrick Henry. What the Bills are going to do at running back because Henry's teams are listed. The odds are listed. The Bills are not one of them which is refreshing, but uh, I still might want to run the idea by you. 803-0550, Jeremy and Joe on WGR. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning. 
Jeremy and Joe, happy President's Day. So we got a picture of the Hulk nets. How did those come up? I don't know. Oh, NHL changing rules and yes. NBA All-Star stuff. Yeah. yeah. So thanks to Carl. Thanks to Brayton Wilson as well. I'd said to Joe, just in passing, about the Hulk nets. That, that's, I don't know if they were generally called that or if I just called them that. But they were, in 2005, the Sabres pitched the idea that you'd have hockey nets that were bigger than the current ones. They were curved on the posts yeah. and the crossbar for a 17% larger net. They look so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> they look so stupid. I mean, they're bigger, but... They're bigger. Oh, my. They look dumb. But the, that was, like, around the lockout where scoring was not in a great spot. They yep. come back. The NHL did introduce the shootout, of course, right? And four-on-four four overtime, which, of course, has become three-on-three three overtime. Mm-hmm. So this was one of the ideas. You know, there's no bad ideas, but some of the ideas we, we, we won't adopt. And this one is... If you know. there, then there might be bad ideas. There's some bad ideas. This one, this one looks like a pretty bad idea to me. <laughs> I don't know if it makes sense, but they they look like nets out of like a Looney Tunes hockey. Yes, kind show. of. It, <laughs> like a, a cartoon. Yeah. T- was gonna have an episode about hockey. That would be the net. I can totally see that. As a goaltender, this is infuriating to look at, and I would hate standing in front of this. Like well, making it, saves in this would be impossible. Although if you're a good goaltender, I mean, you might yeah. even you might like them even more because you could show off more. Than just That's the guy fair. that fills up the net. <laughs> Is that a shot at me for not being a good goaltender? No, no, I'm saying you can show <laughs> off your athleticism uh, a little bit. Do some more uh, Dominic Hasek. Yeah. There, saves. yeah. there you go. 803-0550. Jeremy and Joe, Josh Schmidt producing Sabres play today at 1230, an afternoon game against the Anaheim Ducks. All right, so a couple Bills things and football things for you here. If you want to call us on the Sabres, you're more than welcome to, or on the golf, or on the NBA All-Star game, blah, blah, blah. There's lots going on. Peter King has written about the Patrick Mahomes trade in 2017, how the Chiefs got it done. And it includes everybody from Jordan Spieth, that's right, Jordan Spieth, to Sean Payton and the Saints. He has a lot of teams that liked Mahomes. And he goes back through where Mahomes was mocked to be going because the Chiefs, of course, move up to number 10, take Mahomes. Don Banks had him going 13th to Arizona. Mel Kuyper, 25th to Houston. Peter King, 27th to Kansas City. Todd McShay and Mike Mayock, New Orleans and Arizona, respectively. So anyway, he gets into this, and I'm, I'm reading the whole thing, trying to find out, like, okay, where where are the Bills in this? Where, does the Bill, where do the Bills come in as, sure, will be the team that you can trade up and get this guy? And here's what he writes about, Buffalo. New coach Sean McDermott wanted to build, rebuild the 7-9 team with picks. So the choice was for sale. A week before the draft, GM Doug Whaley had discussions with Dorsey. That's John Dorsey of the uh, Chiefs. Mm -hmm. The GM. And they discussed the Bills moving down to 27 and Kansas City sending the third round pick and first rounder in 2018. They agreed the day before the draft that if Kansas City's player was there at 10, Buffalo would move down to 27 and get third and first round picks offer uh, as well. That's the best offer Buffalo had on the table. Now, he goes on before the trade is officially struck, pointing to the other teams in that draft. New Orleans is 11th. They wanted Marshawn Lattimore. Mickey Mm -hmm. Mickey Loomis was smitten with Mahomes. Last week, Peyton was chuckling. He said, I remember thinking, the only thing I don't like about the player is his voice. That's Peyton on Mahomes. That's how great an impression he left on us. Number 12, Cleveland was looking to move out of the spot. Number 13, 
frothing for Mahomes. Bruce Arians worked him out in Lubbock, wind blowing probably 35 miles an hour. He whistled that ball through the wind like it was the calmest day in the world. One of the best quarterback workouts I've seen in my life. Maybe only Andrew Lux was better. So there's Arizona mm-hmm. at 13. And, you know, goes on and on. It's funny, like, revisionist history always works this way. Oh, look at all these guys that thought Mahomes was perfect. Yeah. Here's the, th- the team that picks 13th, loves him. So does the team that picks 11th, but the owner just won't let them take the guy. So that's why the Bills trade with Kansas City, drop all the way down to 27. There's a point, though, to be made here about the draft value chart, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and here, this is it. Going from 27 to 10. 27 to 10. Yeah. So the Chiefs go from 27 to 10. Let's say that what Peter King has here from Arizona is dead on, which I, I would not dismiss what Peter King says. Bruce Arians loved him. The cost for Arizona to go to 13 to 10 versus Kansas City going from 27 to 10. Mm-hmm. Kansas City says, sure, we'll do it. We'll give you a first and a third and move up 17 spots. If you are the Bills and Arizona calls and says, we'd like in that spot too, you, what are you saying? Well, we need your first. And mm-hmm. Arizona is going to say, well, that's way too – no way. It's only three it's ridiculous. It's three only spots. three spots. Yeah. And this kind of gets to the draft about the value chart and all the stuff that goes with it. The value chart is, hey, these are the uh, the values we've decided – as a collective, mm-hmm. roughly what they're worth. And if you're Arizona, you would talk yourself out of this trade because you'd say, I'm giving up too much. Because you have a value chart and because of where you're at already. Yes. Yeah. I can't give up a first-round pick to move up three spots. Wouldn't you do it today if you knew that's what it meant? If you knew you were going to get Mahomes today, you would definitely give up a first-round pick to move up three spots. Yeah, 100%. But you wouldn't do it on draft day because it feels like it's too much. What did the Niners, you remember, did the Niners move up to one spot to take, or excuse me, did the Bears move up one spot to take Trubisky? They did. With the Niners? And they gave up, I remember hearing, like, can, can you believe they gave up all that to move up one spot? But it could have been because, what, there was a team at 10 that was offering their first-round pick from the next year? I don't think they gave up their first, but... Whatever that was, too. I mean, it it goes to... The price is the price. The price, right, is going to be different than the value chart. It also sounds like, to me, though, like you can sometimes gain an advantage by going coming from further back. If you're willing to pay that... If you're willing to pay that future first-round pick, I mean, you can jump a lot of those teams. There's a lot of those teams that are not going to be willing to do it. Yep. So, fast forward, trade is made... Yeah, Bills are off to 27, the Chiefs are up to 10, they take Mahomes, and Peter King writes that Sean Payton texted the Chiefs GM a one-word expletive, that they had regret in New Orleans, they didn't move up one spot. Mm-hmm. What would the cost have been? I mean, if the Bills are looking for, we want more picks. Yeah, they just want dro- a bunch then, of stuff. Right, then dropping two from 10 to 11, like we're still picking 11th, but am mm-hmm. I getting... On the value chart, we're adding second and thirds. Like it's just like you said, it it makes the point that a team moving way up sometimes has the edge because they think, mm-hmm. all right, yeah, sure, take next year's first. Another thing I learned reading this, although it's not, I don't think it's in there. If you read the Peter King thing, I go, John Dorsey, he was the GM that picked Patrick Mahomes. How did that go? Because he's not been the GM for a while. So I go to his, I go to his bio. And it's often said, I mean, different situations, different coaching situations, right? But it's often said, well, like part of the reason the Bills didn't 
draft a quarterback that year was, well, they knew they were about to move on from Doug Whaley, right? They, they, you're not going to change your scouting staff before the draft. They were about to move on from Doug Whaley. The Chiefs fired John Dorsey two months after that draft. <laughs> Same thing. He took Lame Mah- duck GM. Took Mahomes and got fired. Took Mahomes. And then he got fired. I mean, they had Andy Reid. Very different, I know. But they weren't afraid for their GM on the way out to orchestrate that trade and go get their quarterback of the future. Just kind of interesting. Because yeah. that's one thing you'll often hear about the Bills was they weren't ready to take a quarterback there because Brandon Bean wasn't there yet. That's good. That trade, I don't know, maybe five more years and two or three more Super Bowls for that guy. We look at it differently. But I, I as soon as Josh Allen arrived, I, I put it out of my mind. Don't think about yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to say, like, the longer it goes, though, where the Bills don't win one. If, if, if we start approaching on the end of Allen's career and Mahomes has six and Allen still doesn't have one, I pr- it's, 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 I'll make a promise to you. It's going to be a trivia question forever. Sure. I, my promise to you is I will never really worry about it. Because it wasn't an, it wasn't an obvious mistake. The draft is a, you know, it's a crapshoot. The team that trades out of the spot where you mentioned the Bears move up for Trubisky, and Trubisky's not that good. He was never that good, so that team doesn't have to worry about it. But that team doesn't really know that. Who traded out of the out of the Goff spot or the Wentz spot? We don't remember those teams that traded out of those spots. It was sure, go ahead, take your quarterback. Good luck to you. I only remember it being the Browns because my brother's an Eagles fan. Okay, the Browns moved out of the Wentz pick, right? But. And and there there was a about a six month period where they were being mocked for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can you believe? Because I don't think they they probably wouldn't have had a quarterback at that time. And it was, oh, my goodness, you gave up on Carson Wentz two years later. It's like, oh, that's fine. You're you're not supposed (laughs) to know as much as we all want to know. You know, we're going to run through a million receivers in this draft, show. I don't know which one's going to be the best one. It's Mm -hmm. really tough to know. But what I do know is if you move out of a spot, that's a guarantee. Like, it's different in different sports. Like, Trading out of the 10 spot so the Chiefs can come up and take Mahomes is not the same as saying, like, you know what, uh, McDavid, we're going to trade out of this spot and get some pieces and see how that goes. Quarterbacks going mid-first round, I get it. You didn't have one. I wanted them to take one that year. I didn't know which one would be good. I wouldn't have said that Mahomes was going to be great or Watson or Trubisky. I know the Bills might have been interested in Trubisky, Hmm. but I just don't think you can – Spend too much brain power beating yourself up or beating your team up for what they didn't know at the time when the reality is with quarterbacks in the draft, you you almost never know. Right. The lesson that's why to me the lesson is less about you didn't know Mahomes was going to be Mahomes more than look at the Chiefs with a GM on the way out. You never rule out taking a quarterback when you don't have a future franchise quarterback. You never do it. No matter what your setup is, no matter if you if you are on the clock. And whoever is in charge, if you don't have a quarterback, you've got to you've got to be open to taking one. And maybe they were right. Like, may, I I know it often gets said that they wouldn't have taken a quarterback there because they weren't ready to do it. But you just mentioned it. There was a lot during that draft season that sounded like they really liked Mitch Trubisky. Would they've picked Would they've picked Mitch Trubisky if he was there at ten? Quite possibly. They might have. It could just be they didn't like other teams. The top nine teams that that went didn't know what Mahomes was going to be. 
Which is why, or a lot of those people in the Peter King article that like said when the Chiefs picked Mahomes, they got criticized because everyone thought Watson was going to be better. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm one of those. I think Watson was the one I wanted for the Bills in that draft. I wanted them to pick a quarterback too, but I remember Watson being the one I wanted, not Mahomes. I mean, Watson was the he had won the national champion. Right, was a star yeah. of college football right. that year, so that would have been an easier, maybe an easier right. horse to hit your wagon to, just as a you know observer. Yeah. Eight oh three oh five fifty. One eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. I mentioned I wanted to get your thoughts on the Bills running back situation, and I've got a stat for you here on Derrick Henry. I know, I know. Derek on Derrick Henry, we're really going to do this. I, we're going to, you know, you know what? We're going to do it. We're, we're really going to do we're this. We're gonna, we're gonna do it. <laughs> Why not? Right. So okay, on Derrick Henry. This is not wide receiver idea of the day, right? And we're just treating him like he's a receiver. You know, this is a real I running back. I did think about that, about throwing he's, the curveball and say, like, hey, uh, Latavius Murray lined up at wide receiver for the Bills this year. So, I mean, he's tall. Derrick Henry is wide <laughs> receiver idea of the day. He's tall. Ian Harditz had this. Derrick Henry's yards before and after contact. Okay. So, last season only? I've got the last four seasons. Last four seasons. The last okay. four seasons. Yards before and after contact. What do you want first? Want to do before contact yeah, first? Yeah, give me before contact. Because that happens first? That, that would make sense, yeah. <laughs> there you go. His yards before contact. Now, that's probably, quite often, a look into how good your offensive line is. Yes. And your design years. Okay. Four years ago, Derrick Henry was 13th in the NFL in yards before contact. Then okay. 18th. And the last two seasons, he has been 30th in the NFL in yards before contact. Okay. So his line went from like middle of the road to really bad. That's that's in probably theory. part of it. What yeah. else happened in Tennessee at the time? Ryan Tannehill went from hey maybe a modest serviceable starter to mm, this isn't going so well. Will Levis, yeah, you know, yeah, the, the the state of the passing game in Tennessee cratered. Mm-hmm. So now I've got teams that can key in on Derrick Henry a little bit more. Thirtieth in yards before contact each of the last two seasons. Okay, now yards after contact per carry. Four years ago, he was number two, then number nine, then number four, and last year, number eight. So wow. somewhat of a drift from two to nine to four to eight, but top ten mm-hmm. each of the last four years. And that just got me thinking about the Bills because one of the spots they are very good is yards before contact for their running back. Mm-hmm. I mean, James Cook at different stretches this year was – Near the top of the league in yards before contact. So, I mean, I, Joe, I just got I got to thinking a little bit. You want to mix the the guy that has been very good yards after contact on the line that's been that was good last year in yards before contact. Just if the Bills are looking for someone that's not Latavius Murray, uh-huh. and who knows about Damian Harris who's coming back off that? I mean, I, I suppose he could be on this team again. Naheem Hines. I don't really understand why they would have him on the team for the cap hit that he's going to have. I think there's probably a running back coming in. And is that Derrick Henry? There's maybe a team out there that's going to pay him big, big money. Trek puts his market value at $10 million. Yeah, get out like, of here. Not going to happen for the Bills. Not going to happen at $10 million. But, but do, do they have what the comparables there? Do you have that open? Because a lot of times recently there have been these... 28, 29-year-old running backs where you think, like, okay, they got one more contract left in them, and then they go out there and, like, there's really nothing there for them. Yeah, he's 30. 
And he's 30. He's, he is, two, he's two years older than usually those guys he, are. He is 30. And yeah. some of the, all right, so the comparables from Track: Nick Chubb signed for 12 a year, but he was 25. Jacobs, 25. Saquon Barkley, these guys were like franchise tag in that neighborhood. Barkley, yeah. 26, signed for one year. James Conner got a three-year deal when he was 26. Yeah. Derrick Henry's market will be tested in a big way because on, on one hand, this is Derrick Henry. Yeah. And on the other hand, he's 30. Right. Like the guy, I'm looking at his draft class. He went second round in 2016. Elliott went first round. And what did he get last year? One year, six million. But wasn't he more provably over the hill when New England brought him in? Like, New England signed Ezekiel Elliott and everybody went last year. Like, <laughs> that's not going to make them any better. Like, good luck with that. Henry, you just went through the number. I mean, he's been top 10 in yards after contact four straight years. Um, I'm not getting him, I don't think, to catch the ball very much. But Dude. everyone around him, everyone else in that draft class is out of the league. Well, and Elliott's about to be out of the league. The draft class after Fournette, Delvin Cook, like these guys are out of the league. Right. They all hit walls fast. Yeah. So you would ask yourself, okay, so Zeke, do you know what Zeke's market value on Spotrek is right now? Because he's just off a one-year deal. Oh, it's got to be real low. 2.7. Yeah. But we know he's terrible. Like the wall, we've seen the wall the with qu- him. Right. And the question on Derrick Henry is, will a team out there with some space say, sure, $8 million. Ten million on a guy that's thirty. If you can do it for one year, like no GM's going to get themselves into cap trouble by doing it for one year. If you have the space, you just go ahead and do it. The Bills are not a team that's necessarily like that, and you wouldn't go for multiple years because he's thirty. But if the market were totally dry everywhere else, and no one decides to do it because he's thirty years old, uh-huh. he might be a guy that at thirty can kind of what be like Adrian Peterson. Who he was supposed to be washed up four different times. He's the one. He's the one that just kept going. Yeah, he's the anomaly. Uh, and that would be, I mean, if I could try to make a comparable there, what might make Henry more like Peterson than all of the other guys? I mean, the the idea of him just being special, right? Like being a different type of athlete. He's in. He's a once in a lifetime type of athlete at that position because of his size. And Peterson was always seen as that, right? Like, the best athlete at that position in the league. So, if one guy was going to play till... Didn't Peterson play till, like, 35? He did. He played till he's 36. He 36. Had a, he had 1,000 yards at, at age 33. Right. Like, if there's one guy, because of the body type and the athleticism that was going to be able to do that like we I think Peterson would have been everyone's best guess at that time. I don't know about Henry for that though. Like Henry he's big and I I just would would scare me a lot and why I would not love this idea for the Bills even if he's got some good numbers the last couple of years is that dude I don't know. I just see him hitting a wall and being this slow plotting big back, and you bring in Derrick Henry, I would be worried you would feel some inherent pressure to give him the football. Mm-hmm. Your your run rate is probably not going down that much if you bring in Derrick Henry, is it? Well, You're bringing in Derrick Henry to give him the football. You would think so. I, I, and I would think if he's going to sign anywhere, he's going to go someplace he gets the ball. Teams that are favored, the Chargers... Eckler hit the wall this year. And and they just brought in Greg Roman right. to be the offensive coordinator, so that makes sense. The Ravens are in this mix. Yep. Yep, they always bring They in. always run the ball. 
And they always bring in old running backs. Yep. yep. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't think it's necessarily an answer for the Bills, but it is. Would it there's, work there's, with, with their depth chart, though? Like, well, you're, 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 you're the, kicking James Cook out of the starting spot. Uh, aren't you? I don't know about that. That That's a good question. But the, the question I was going to ask you is, don't they want someone that does exactly what he does? I mean, Latavius Murray hit the upgrade mm-hmm. button. Veteran, runs hard, can be counted on to do a million different things. Short yardage. Yeah, short yardage. And the, there's also, I've got a stat for you. Either one of these could have been stat of the day. But the Bills, when they got into goal-to-go situations, you think about the Bills as goal-to-go, like, mm-hmm. oh, this is jackpot, they're going to score a touchdown, right? They were not that good mm-hmm. at, at goal-to-goal goal to go situations. And isn't that why they went out and tried to get Damian Harris? Isn't that why they've been... That's why they drafted Zach Moss. They drafted Zach Moss. They've wanted a guy... They brought in Fournette? Yeah. That makes defenders think twice. Business decisions. Zach Moss got drafted and made the business decisions comment. He wants guys to make business decisions. But shouldn't they know that they've tried this five times and it's never helped them? I know. (laughs) And Zach Moss isn't even a bad player. He went to the Colts and was amazing. He did fine. Right. So, like... What, come on, how many times do I need to show you the big, slow running back is not really great for this offense? Although that's it's not, not really that efficient. That's not necessarily Henry. Yeah. it's the He's the battering ram with the speed. Again, though, like those guys get years slow old. quick. They do. It happens real quick. 803-0550 on uh, Derrick Henry has an idea. $10 million spot track, like that's going to be a, a fast no. But if the number came way down, couldn't he be a guy that doesn't sign until July? Just wait it out. If you're Derrick Henry, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wait until somebody's starter goes down in the preseason and then take a $10 million contract. Where does he rank on the free agent market for running backs? Isn't, isn't Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs also free agents? I mean, they are, too. And, and they are younger. They're younger, yeah. 803-0550. Happy Monday. Happy President's Day. Jeremy and Joe here on WGR. It didn't go far at all. I actually heard about it when everybody else heard about it. You know, obviously, there's, sometimes there's conversations happen behind closed doors that you don't even know about. And until, I guess, if it's real or not, then they'll bring it to you. But it, it never even got to me. So, you know, I heard it when the reports dropped as well. LeBron on the rumors about him potentially being traded to the Warriors at the deadline. Jeremy and Joe, good morning. Nice sunny day out there. Happy Monday. We are in at work on this uh, President's Day. Sabres will be working today, 12.30 face-off with the Anaheim Ducks. I'm told we've been tweeted the hot dog of the day, which means we've got to guess it before looking before at we, it. Before we see it. I've not looked at it. Hot dog of the day. Is it going to be a, a, a theme with a celebrity? Is it going to be duck? Duck might be tough. What are you going to do? Like duck like Chris, like duck prosciutto or something? Like You can't just do a duck dog. I mean, or duck, can you? Duck dog. Let's rank ducks. All-time ducks. Darkwing duck. Donald Duck. Daffy Duck. Anaheim Duck. Paul Correa. <laughs> J.S. Chaguer. Chris Pronger. Scott Niedermeyer. Niedermeyer. Their defense was so good when they won the cup. Uh, the, du- the Ducks from the Sopranos. Only the real Sopranos fans will know that one. I don't. There's a, I mean, the whole first season is, is, is oh, duck, yeah, it's duck yeah, related. Yeah, yeah. He does, the Ducks, he, you know, he gets upset when they leave. Yep. He's obsessed with them. So what is the dog of the day? It is the Wild Wing, wild which is their mascot. That's their mascot, yeah. okay. A foot-long hot dog topped with, any guesses before I say it? Duck. No. No duck included at all. 
which is kind of weird. Okay. No, what about duck sauce? Duck sauce. That's say, a good guess. It says no, there's no duck sauce on okay. here. That was a good guess, though. A foot-long hot dog topped with French dip, roast beef, and sautéed onions. I don't know what, what that has to do with duck or Anaheim. Or the wild, or wild wing. Right. Okay. Wait, French? Okay. I mean, it sounds good, I think. It sounds like a beef on Weck. But it does. Like on a hot dog. It's the year of the hot dog at the arena. Okay. Right, 803-0550, 1-888-552-550. Jeremy and Joe, good morning. You said you have a stat of the day for me? I have a stat of the day for you that is uh, that is presidents-themed, as it is, uh, it is President's Day. And your stat of the day is brought to you by Seneca Gaming in Irving, home of the biggest bingo payouts and slot machines with thousands won daily. Okay, we're going all in on the presidents theme. Like, it's, it's about presidents. My favorite stat, favorite presidential fact... President John Tyler, yeah, who was born in 1790 and was the president of the United States from 1841 to 1845. His grandson is currently 94 years old and living in Virginia. All right. <laughs> Stat of the day. So he was president 180 years ago. Am I doing the math right there? Yeah, 180 years ago. And he has a living grandson. That's your stat of the day. Unbelievable. Does that guy get reached out to on this? Right, he just is he he's taking it's interviews probably all the time. Got to be the thing he's most famous for. <laughs> hey, your grandpa was president two hundred years ago. Yeah. How about that? I don't know what he would say about it. I doubt he ever met him. I don't even know how it's possible. It, it is somehow though. You said grandson? You grandson. Be, you can meet your grand, grandparent, of course. No, I mean, like, how it's possible that he would, you know, 70 and 70, I think, is how it happened. Okay. They were in their 70s, both his father and his grandfather. Oh, wow. When they were born. Right, right. It's the only way that would that would work out that way. Right. All right. 803-0550, to join us. We've uh, we talked a little bit there about Derrick Henry and the Bills' running back situation. It is a an off season where they are not getting listed in odds for running backs. Nope. Who's going to get this running back? The Bills are consistently not listed. And that is a new life. You know? Hey, what are we doing over here? They are going to do something though. They have to yeah, right? they will add something. But the good news is that every boy, not every mock draft. What percentage of mock drafts that you click on for the Bills is it wide receiver? I think it's 80%. 79% because I just opened one where it's not wide receiver. What is it? It's corner. Get out. Kool-Aid McKin- Mc- McKinstry? I just Kool-Aid McKinstry? McKinstry, thank I mean, you. That'd be cool, but no. Get out of here with corner. Corner is the one that angers me the most because, or annoys me the most because it just doesn't, it doesn't even make any sense. They're, they're deep at corner. At least until Tredavious White is off the roster. And even when he is off the roster, they, they're going to draft the first round corner, so what? He could be the third corner? On this team. So, yeah, get, get out of here with that. I've not seen running back for them, even in these, like, two-round mock drafts, right? No. Have we seen a mock even for them in the second round to a running back? They'll bring back Cook, obviously. And Bean did say they want yes Hines back. when it came to Hines. I mean, there's 0% chance he's back on that cap. Right? I wa- I wonder if there's some sort of you you say that because he's injured and you want to do an injury. 
I, I, but they could have cut him. That that they could have cut him the, the same the same way before last season when all that happened injury settlement with release they could have done that and they yeah. decided not to. Boy, they I think Bean thinks the way he talked last year too about how he didn't really use him the way I thought or however he said it when Hines was not a part of the offense after they had traded for him thought they'd be more a part of the offense there was a comment like that and then to not cut him. After that injury, I don't know. I think Brandon Bean thinks there's a way to you to weaponize him in this offense. Okay, with due respect to Brandon Bean, does that sound like the guy in your fantasy league that made a trade for a guy and simply refuses to give up on him? Like me with Jonu Smith after three years. You're still doing that with Jonu Smith? Not quite. Uh, a little but, bit. But the point a is little the same. Bit. Like Naheem Hines in his career has done what? Not very much. He's been a pass-catching back. His most explosive season as a pass catcher or a player at all was four years ago. Mm-hmm. Going on four years ago, and he's coming off an injury, and he's a big price tag. Like that, to me, it doesn't make sense well, why they'd be so invested in this player that is not likely to be a, a big contributor. That's right. I mean, if they think if it's easy for them to lower the cap number, I mean, it better be pretty low. For can't a te- they for, use... for a team that's as strapped as they are, they could just one of the easiest spots to save money is go cheap at running back. But two, like, uh, this is why Cook is kind of weird for this, because Cook was good and was a pro bowler, but we talk about them wanting a running back like Derrick Henry. Shouldn't they want a pass-catching running back, too? Because that dude drops the ball all the time. Yeah, he did. He had a bunch. Do they trust James Cook in the pass game? Because they would trust Hines. Well, well, I shouldn't say that, because he was on the team and they didn't two years ago. Tim in Dallas. Hey, Tim, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, this to me, I, I still have nightmares about that pick, man, Mahomes. Not just because he won the Super Bowls three times, but I, I always feel, felt like he was a franchise quarterback just watching him at Texas A&M. Uh, and then, like like uh, you say, the voice or whatever, it, people just found a way to hate on him. But if you ever watched him play, man, he made some spectacular throws throughout his whole collegiate career. So uh, I stayed two hours from Texas A&M. I'm sorry. Uh, what's was it? Uh, Texas Tech. Love it. Texas Tech. I'm sorry. Love it. So I was able to just watch him. But uh, so we left the draft without getting the quarterback. Man, I could never. I, just, I called the next day and I couldn't believe it. I'm like, dude, two quarterbacks we had an opportunity because the next year, I I had no clue who Allen was uh, until they show highlights or whatever. He wasn't as polished. As Mahomes, just my opinion, and uh, also we had to move up to get Allen, so we still had to move up, and then you had to get Tremaine Evans. We moved up again, so to me, it didn't make any sense what uh, Bean and uh, McDermott did that that year. So, thanks, Tim. Well, Bean wasn't there for it, and then he came in and orchestrated getting them a quarterback. The reason we're bringing this up, Peter King has it in his Football Morning in America column today. A extensive rundown of how that trade happened. What did we learn about it? The Bills wanted to build with picks. Not exactly a surprise. You know, new head coach. They had agreed to the trade the night before the draft that if your guy's there, Kansas City will make this trade. You know, 10, drop it to 27, we get a third and a first. So those two pieces are in Peter King's piece. He also lays out several teams right after the Bills that might have wanted Mahomes. The Saints, the Cardinals are both in the mix for that as well. Eight oh three oh five fifty. Thanks, Tim. Just found this at NFL.com. The NFL's eight biggest Super Bowl windows. Right now? Yeah. 
The, the eight, eight biggest. The eight biggest Super Bowl windows. They mean like right now, like whose windows open the most, kind of? They're not talking like Patriots 20 years ago. Like that was the biggest window we've ever seen. Here are the eight the... teams with the biggest Super Bowl windows right now. Okay. So Chiefs. One. Bills. Not ranked. Really? Not Bucky Brooks, NFL.com. Not ranked. Chiefs won. Bills not listed. So there are seven other teams that this guy's got that Bucky Brooks has ranked above them for that this. They have biggest Super Bowl windows right now. Texans? Texans are not listed. Wow, I'm like terrible at guessing this year. Uh the Niners. The Niners come in at number five. This, I don't like this list. This so far. must be the biggest window this year, rather than the biggest actual. Isn't a window the con, isn't the concept? No, that, a window is no window should mean like over several years, right. right? You would you would think, but when I give you the rest of this list, I think he, I think, I, what does he have? The Jets on there? The Jets are eighth. Okay, then, <laughs> and then he's doing it different. He's got to be doing it different. He has to be. Aaron Rodgers is forty-one years old, coming off a torn Achilles. Come on, dude. Miami. Not listed. Dallas? Fourth. Philly? Not listed. What in the world? Cincinnati? Not listed. What is this what? guy doing? Green Bay? Seventh. See, now that one makes more sense for like the long term. Yeah. Okay. Detroit? Second. Oh, good. Thank Whoa. you. Second, though, is a little high for that. No? Uh, Baltimore? Third. And then, who am I missing here? You're There's only missing the Browns, who come in at sixth. The Browns? I don't get That's a weird list. The very, <laughs> that's, a, that's the weirdest list. It's a very strange list. The Browns don't have a quarterback. Uh, they do. He's a $64 million cap hit. Well, they, right. Okay, yeah, that's right. They, they at least know who it is. Um, yeah, I don't know what to do with that. It's very strange. Well, because short term, short term, I would get to the Bills over half those teams. Like, and long term, same thing. Like, I the Jets... To me, the Jets being on it makes me think it's not about the long term. So I don't know what his definition is of window, but that's a that's wild. Yeah, eight hundred three hundred five fifty. I think he just wanted the the Jets on a list like that in some way, shape, or form. That's what that whole that's what that whole exercise was designed around. I'm gonna put the Jets on a top, on a top eight list and get everybody fired up today. Paul Hamilton joins us top of the hour. We gear up for a Sabres game day. It's President's Day. They're home for a 12-30 puck drop against the Anaheim Ducks. And the Wild Wing Duck Dog can be yours. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. All right, Jeremy and Joe, Paul Hamilton preview tonight's Sabres game coming up top of the hour. How, how was your uh, how was your football free Sunday? Did you get stuff done? And we all become incredibly productive. Yes, yes. We are redoing our upstairs, so I did a mm. lot of uh, a lot of stuff up there. But here's here's one thing uh, that wasn't great about yesterday because of the weather. So we had to tear all the insul tore all the walls down, all the insulation out too. So then it starts getting really cold. And snowing and really windy. So suddenly, I'm basically working outside <laughs> because there's just there's nothing stopping the cold from coming in. So, yeah, I got a I got I got a lot done without a the first football free Sunday. Golf's on. 
I've got golf. Golf's the perfect sport to do stuff during. Is golf. Yeah. Just to have it on in the background. Yeah. That's true. The best background sport. Yeah. Golf. And then, you know, you lock in for the final however many holes. The golf yesterday, the Genesis, it was a five-way tie through 11. And looked like it was going to be an incredible finish. And then Matsuyama hit three of the best shots you'll ever see and was over mm-hmm. pretty quick. So good for him. But I, I for one, am very happy about golf season back. Whatever's on Sunday, I don't care. What is it? The Genesis. Great. The Farmers. Okay, whatever. Give me some golf. So got our money's worth. Yep. And a decent leaderboard yesterday. I mean, Zell Torres, he was really good. Tiger leaving early is not great. Tiger not great. Although, did everyone have the same reaction I did when they saw, uh-oh, he's getting carted off. He's carted off at golf. Uh, ambulance, like, uh, his leg. Yeah. But I immediately that. thought about his leg, and it was just the flu, I guess. Yep. The so. flu was uh, was going around. Paul Hamilton, when we return, we'll talk a little about the Sabres win in Minnesota. They had an overtime victory in Minnesota on Saturday, and they'll play Anaheim tonight. Anaheim just got waxed by the Leafs 9-2. to two. So they come in off a pretty big loss. Jeremy and Joe, your calls with Paul. Any thoughts on the Sabres as well? We'll ask him about this, uh, you know, this little dust-up. Mike Harrington reporting about the, the team not appreciating booing. See if Paul's noticed anything about the, the vibes in the room about that kind of stuff. Not like they've been booed mercilessly or so much. We, we opened the show talking about uh, that piece. So if you want to, you know, check that out, stay tuned. We'll bring it up with Paul. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. It's Paul Hamilton. That's what they called me in college. It's the bone. He has the facts to back up his opinions. People will ask me, well, how are the Sabres going to win tonight? I don't have a clue. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Game day. Buffalo Sabres right back to it. 12.30 start. Sal Capaccio. He'll be uh, broadcasting live from the arena for the Extra Point Show. Jeremy and Joe with you, Paul Hamilton. Hey, Paul, good morning. Hello, how are you? Good. Happy President's Day. It's beautiful out there. It's a nice day. Thank you. It is gorgeous outside. Sabres back to it for a uh, afternoon affair. Maybe a nice day for people to, you know, roll on down to the arena. And they come in off a win over Minnesota. They beat the Wild on Saturday evening, 5 o'clock, right? No, Saturday night, evening, whatever you want to say. Um, it was a comeback effort. We were debating that. Is it? Was it... <laughs> Like, it started at 4 o'clock where we were. So is that an afternoon game? Is that an evening game? What is, what is that? It's a good question. We, we, were, we were debating that. It's kind of like when the Bills play at 425. Is that a primetime game? It feels like primetime. It's dark outside a lot in those those windows. Anyway, they won. Did you notice that going down to the arena now, it started to be light for the 7 o'clock games? Well, that's nice. I said, that's nice. There's no more no more driving in the dark to games anymore. Paul, I remember a time where going to a game at the arena, it would be, you know, 65 degrees outside. <laughs> now, it's been a long time since one of those. I remember a Stanley Cup final where on the road it was 97 degrees. <laughs> wow. Yeah. In Dallas. The guys, you know, the people, because we had all the TV people there doing their news and sports and everything and their makeup was like dripping down their faces as they were trying to get ready to do their tv hits yeah i miss going to a game that matters paul where i'm wearing shorts that hasn't happened in a in a very long time 
At least, yeah. Why well, can't you just put shorts yeah. on and go down there today? I mean, I could. I guess I could. You know what? Maybe I should. You know, you you said it. Maybe I will. I'm gonna go put shorts on. I'm gonna go down to this game. At least the sun will be out right when I when I do it. But. Yeah, exactly. Paul, it's the Ducks tonight. The Ducks are one of the few teams in the NHL that are behind the Sabers. We'll get to that in a moment. But the game against Minnesota. It's a come from behind victory. Looking in with another strong performance. And how how different was this one for the Sabers? We we've talked. The last few games, they're putting up big shot numbers, but they're not getting good enough shots. Was it different in Minnesota? Yeah, it was a little goofy. And you talk about the Ducks. The Sabres have won five of their last six on the road. The loss was to the Ducks. Uh, But they've won the other five, and uh, now they've lost three or four at home. But it was, and I've been thinking about that, that, you know, I've sat there and talked about, well, you dominated the Dallas Stars and you lost. Well, you dominated the Vancouver Canucks, but you lost. They didn't dominate the Minnesota Wild. As a matter of fact, Don Granado afterwards said we weren't in sync. Uh, he said uh, we, we seemed like we had heavy legs, but it was one of those games where they just found a way to win. E- even though the, the Minnesota was probably the better team in that game. But uh, I think one of the things was, was Lukanen. I mean, both goaltenders actually stood on their heads in the first 40 minutes of the game. And it's 0-0, and then Buffalo finally got on the board and picked up that first goal. It was a two-on-one with Middlestat coming down. Kind of funny after the game because it looked like that Minnesota's goalie thought thought he was going to pass the puck to Cousins on the two-on-one. And I asked him on the postgame show, I said, were you using Cousins as a decoy there? Because it looked like the goalie thought you were going to pass the puck to him. He goes, I thought I was too. <laughs> and he starts <laughs> laughing. And, and at the last second, I, and, and, but, but the, really, seriously, I think he did maybe tip off that he was going to pass to Cousins, and the goaltender started going and started moving just a little bit, and it opened up a little, little hole for him, and he shot it. So, you know, I think, I think he did fool the goalie by thinking himself that he was going to pass to Cousins going in. But you take that one nothing lead, but then, you know, you, you, you get behind 2-1, to one, they did a good job of on the four-minute uh, penalty. They killed all but 16 seconds, but that gave Minnesota the two-to-one lead when they when they did finally get the power play goal. And it's not looking really good for the Sabers, but you know what they did do to be able to tie the game is they had two guys willing to go to the net, stand in the crease, and just not be denied. And that was Greenway and Cousins. Yeah. You know, Thompson recognized that those guys were there, and he didn't even, like, wind up with the shot. He just took a wrist shot to the net, got the puck there because he saw guys there. And Greenway just kept hacking at the puck and hacking at the puck, and Cousins was doing the same. Greenway got it through. Cousins made sure it was in the net. And they wind up tying the game with, what, was it around 36, 38 seconds left uh, mm-hmm. to go in the game. And I, I don't think many people had Henry Yokiharyu in the <laughs> and pool for winning it in overtime but it wasn't I, I said to myself after that goal it's like that that is a nice goal he number one got moved himself into scoring position you know and, and he found the crease and tuck puts it right in his wheelhouse and he just rips it i mean a one-timer and he let it go and i thought to myself we don't see much of that from henry okiharyu you know, where, you know, that was almost like a goal scorer's goal. And, uh, you know, they wind up wind up winning the game in, in overtime. But it just is goofy that, you know, they sit there and dominate games and lose one to nothing or two to one. 
And then in the game where, eh, you know, they really had to work to win the hockey game, they come out on top three to two. Yeah. And for Yoki Haru, Paul, like it's, he's not, you know, someone that puts up massive point numbers by any means, but you kind of look at their blue line and when an Owen Power is out, like they're not really deep with offensive type of defensemen, if you will. Like he often is the guy that is like the, the if you want to say the immediate backup quarterback on the, on the power play, and in this case, same thing, right? Like, that's maybe a spot where power would have been out there if he was healthy, but if someone's hurt, it's Yoki Haru in those situations. I haven't hated him on the power play, you know, since he's stepped in for power. And he had a goal and an assist in this game that we're talking about. So, uh, it, it's it's for him, it's all a matter of confidence, you know? And he's had more confidence this year than he has in past years. I mean, he hasn't been great in every game. But for the most part, I think he's been a pretty, especially in the start of the year, he's been a good defenseman. Um, what I would like, I think what they need is they don't have really anybody to throw into the top four when somebody like Power, Darlene, or, or Samuelson get hurt. And that's why I always say they need a guy like a number two defenseman to be out there with Darlene. And that puts Yoki Haru in your third pair. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think he he would be a more consistent defenseman if he could play in the third pair. And then when you have an injury, he has no problem moving up to your second pair, you know, and, and moving up into the top four. And that's what I think would make them a better team if they could set up their team like that. It was kind of an interesting weekend, Paul. We talked about... Peyton Krebs, because there was a trade rumor involving Philadelphia, um, oh, I think maybe on Thursday or Friday. And then on the weekend, he got promoted up in the lineup on more of an offensive line. Did you notice anything from him in, on a different line against Minnesota? No, because Don Granado was right. The team was out of sync, and, and so was that line. You know, the, the, now they had Middlestaff playing with Cousins and Greenway. They got two of the three goals, I would say, of the three of the four lines. That probably was the best line, uh, the one that wasn't wasn't. I just think you know I, I saw them in the offensive zone probably more than I saw others. So yeah, I, I don't. It wasn't awful. It wasn't great. I, I'd like to see it again. I hope when we go because they didn't practice yesterday. So I hope when we go today, it's not different and not mixed up. I, I I would like that to stay together for a bit and let it let it percolate a little bit and see how it goes. Where do you think he's at, and what do you make of the idea, even if you know there are rumors or rumors, the idea of him being a piece that you would sell, um, maybe for something bigger, or I, I don't know what the deal would be, but he was the best prospect in the Vegas organization, and he's played a role that none of us, at least I didn't expect him to play, and he's done it fine. Um, where do you feel like they're at with Krebs in general at this in, in the timeline here? As far as I'm concerned, there is, and I'm talking about prospects, I'm talking about guys on the team, to me there is one untouchable, and that's Rasmus Dahlin. He, I am not trading Rasmus Dahlin. Other than that, let's talk. You know, if a GM were, were to call me on, if I was the Sabres GM, would call me on any other player, I'm having the conversation. And that includes Krebs or anybody else. Uh, I, I I would have said there were more untouchables last year, but uh, after what I've seen this year, there are no untouchables. Uh, and that includes, 
if I can get that number two defenseman and it costs me Thompson, Cousins, whatever, one or the other, all right, tell me who the defenseman is. Uh, I'm not trading those guys for I'm, – I'm just using those as, as, as examples. I'm not saying they're the, they're the reason the Sabres aren't good this year or, or whatever. But if that lands me a guy that can play next to Darlene as the number two defenseman, well, you're kind of covered that way because then – if you want to, you can sign Middlestat and put him in your top six if one of those guys were to be gone. And you've got backups in, in centers and in Kulik and Savoy and Ostland who aren't even here yet. So people talk about trading Middlestat, and that's fine if the deal is a good deal and it's not for draft picks. I'm okay with that, but I, I also want to say it doesn't have to be him. I mean, depending on the player, tell me who the player is. I'm not looking to trade, and I'm not looking to trade Cousins, or I'm not looking to trade. Tom. It has to be a really, really good player uh, that that I really would seek. But all I'm trying to say is, it doesn't necessarily have to be Middlestat. It could be other guys, and that's why I would, if I were Kevin Adams, I'm listening to any phone call as long as it doesn't include Darlene. On Darlene, Paul. You know, you said this with us last week too that he's he's the one untouchable. Is he playing like an untouchable right now, or did they have to find a way to get him back? I I feel like it's it's a quiet season for Darlene. He's always going to get his points, but right about now, like last year, there was legitimate Norris buzz whether he deserved some consideration considering how well he played at both ends. Um, and this year, I just don't really hear much. I agree. Um... I still wouldn't trade him, though, because I think for the Sabres to be a really good team, Darlene has to be on the team and elite. And, uh, you know, an elite defenseman. I mean, Tampa Bay had an elite defenseman in Hedman. Uh, you know, and I would think, you know, Darlene would have to do that, too. So, no, I don't think he's playing like that. I really, really liked him in the Dallas game when he played 29 minutes and 16 seconds. And, uh, he has been playing a lot of minutes since Samuelson and Power have gone down. You look at it in the five games, in his last five games, he's played 29-16, 28-59. He had a 22-40 against the Kings, but that was a 7 nothing game. You didn't have to play him to death. 29-29 against Florida and 30-47 against Minnesota. So right now he is playing half the game. And I wouldn't say he's awful. I wouldn't even say he's average. He's probably in a lot of games from average to above average. But you need Rasmus Dahlin to be elite, not above average in what you're seeing from him. And I don't think he's had a season where he's done that. Um, but, I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he was awful do you, or anything like that. Do you notice him being frustrated, Paul, on the yeah. ice more than others? Yeah. Like, I'm almost wondering if that some of that is just because he's out there more often, but... I see more moments of him smashing a stick or whatever than I than I feel like I do other players. Yeah, and at times I say to myself they got to get to him and calm him down a little bit, and other times I say to myself, "Good, you know, I, I like to see some anger out there from some of these guys, like Dylan Cousins, who who will use his stick as a javelin to toss it down the hallway at times." Uh, when things aren't going well out there. I mean, I love to see that passion of this is unacceptable and I'm really mad this is happening and I'm going to get madder because this shouldn't be happening and I expect more out of myself and I expect more out of my teammates and I don't mind that at all. So, 
I think there's a probably a fine line there. If if Rasmus Dahlin gets too frustrated, I think it affects his play. But I, I don't mind seeing the passion that I see from those two. Paul Hamilton joining us. Paul, we, we opened up the show talking about this. You know, you're talking about people getting mad. There was a bit of a hubbub, a buzz on Twitter about the Sabres players not taking too kindly to booing and maybe not saluting the fans. Mike Harrington's column, the Buffalo News, about this. And I just saw a lot of people reacting to that. And we had earlier in the season Kyle Oposo responding to fans booing in the arena and fire Donnie Chance. And I, I wonder your your take on all that, on the on the players' general relationship with the fan base, with, with their own expectations, because, you know, this has been a season that's been a challenge for everybody as they've not met those expectations. Yeah, um, I wasn't aware, as nor was Mike, because as soon as the game ends, we're headed to the elevator to go down to the locker room. I was not aware they weren't saluting the fans after wins. That was the first I had heard of it, and the first Mike had heard of it, until a couple of fans had pointed that out to him. Uh, he did say he stayed for the Los Angeles win, and a couple of the guys, they weren't going to do it, then a couple, some of the guys came back out uh, from the locker room, and like saluted the fans. They didn't go out to center ice, but saluted the fans there. And it reading the column, it looks like what the players were saying is it was mostly in defense of Don Granado. They were beside themselves after the Columbus. And they said it after the game. I know Rasmus Dahlin was extremely mad after that game. It's like, why are they yelling for him? It's not. He's not playing. We're playing. Blame us. Don't be blaming him. It's not his fault. He didn't go out on the ice and let in nine goals. And they they were really, really upset about that. And I guess they and, – and it is – I, I, I want to put this in a way where it is very, very toxic in that arena. I have never seen my Twitter feed as toxic as it is now. But I do understand that fans have gone through 13 years of this. And for two straight years, they have watched one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League at home. So I get it. But I, I remember sitting there after Thompson scored a power play goal a few games ago. It was the first power play of the game. It was a really nice goal. And by the first minute of the second power play, the fans were all over them again. And I thought, they're one for one on the power play. This, this has gone maybe 30 seconds. And they have jumped this team already. And apparently that it was mentioned that they were behind 2-1 to one to Seattle and the fans were jumping them at the end of the first period, and that didn't go over well. And quite honestly, I understand that it, you're, you're mad that they want your coach fired. I think the players are making a huge mistake. You don't pick a fight with the fans. You just don't. You just got to gotta take it and understand where they're coming from, that maybe a lot of these boos aren't necessarily all aimed at you. And you weren't here for 13 straight years that that it's going to be. But, I mean, Kevin Adams has talked since he's been here. And I don't think it's been talk. I believe him because he's from this area of trying to win the fans back and knowing – that it's up to them to win their respect and win them back. And I can't believe that Kevin Adams was behind this. And this might have been the first he heard of it because he's on the elevator with us. So he's not looking at the the celebration or that kind of thing. I can't 
I can't believe he would be behind this. And if it is the first he's heard of it, I imagine it's going to be addressed. Yeah, you know, Paul, like, I'm not trying to... Booing isn't exactly supposed to be nuanced, right? Like that's the thing. It's just I'm yelling a sound that that lets you know that I'm not happy about you're down three nothing after one or whatever it might be. Uh-huh. And part of me thinks like I'm not trying to be a jerk or be snarky, but you know if a fan is booing you, at least they're at the game. Yes, and like you still have people showing up and caring. And I, I'm with you to pick a fight with your fans like that is just. It's such a miss, and like you said, like if Kevin Adams addresses that, like that's got to be somewhere in the organization the message has to come down. Like You are not fighting the fans, especially the ones that are here. Like yeah. They are untouchables. They are the Dalines, you know? like If you're still there, you are untouchable, and you are... A, I know, like you can't hurl personal insults at a player, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about expressing frustration, which must be something that the Sabres have to slot in accordingly. Winning solves everything, and I don't know if you guys agree with this, but they're going to have a tough time coming back from this. The fans are not going to forget this for a while. And just this particular thing that really you're you're not going to acknowledge the fans because you're mad at them and you've decided that this is your move. Um, after, after everything that, as I said, for two straight years, one thing you can blame this team for is for two straight years they have been 27th or worse at home that you can blame them for they're they're 100 percent authored that so i i i understand frustration i really do but you you just especially when your general manager has talked about winning the respect of the fans back and they were doing that last year unfortunately i think what's happened this year has ruined a lot of that winning does solve everything and if they were to start winning and winning at home it would solve the thing but what is happening right now? They're they're going to have a take a long ways to get back from this, and I know Kevin Adams would know that. And as I said, I can't believe now that this has come out that he's he is on board with this. Well, and just to round out this, Paul, for me, like in I wonder like what would be said or is happening in the locker room after the fact about that because for years I've been hearing that the two leaders of that locker room are Kyle Oposo and Zemgus Girgensons and. Those guys, I mean, Oposo's been here for eight of the 13 years. Girgensons has been here for 10 of them. It's not like, you know, if if a player just showed up and they were getting on Zach Benson's case, I could understand it. But, you know, there's a bunch of guys on this team that have been here a while. They, You would think they would know of anyone how long it's been and what it's really been like in that arena. Yeah, Alex Tuck has, has been a Sabre fan all his life. And was so happy when when he was traded here. I I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little surprised that now Darlene is a big leader inside that locker room too, and he was beside himself when they went after Granado. Um, but I'm a little surprised that Oposo and Tuck would sign off on this. You know, as 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 the players were talking about this in the locker room, just because I you know Kyle's been around a long time. I think Kyle would be the first one to tell you you you're not going to win a fight with the fans and Alex Tuck knows these fans he's been with them he was as a kid sitting with them you know so I'm a little surprised that they would sign off on this Paul Hamilton his appearance brought to you by uh, Raylax Honda Raylax we got this Paul uh, for tonight Anaheim let's get eye on the blue and gold 
do that for you before we let you go. Uh, I am blue and I am the blue and gold. Brought to you by Great Lakes Building Systems. We keep an eye on your business, so you don't have to. Great Lakes Building Systems. Our business is protecting your business. What are you looking at tonight, Paul? Anaheim, Zegras. Uh, who else? Who else? Who else? They <laughs> well, have? they usually lose. Yep. But you know, when they beat the Sabers, that started four games where they went three zero and one, and that's basically been their 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 season as far as they did have a six-game winning streak early in October. But other than that, it really hasn't been good. They've lost three of their last four. The only win was in Ottawa. This is game four of a four-game road trip where they lost to Montreal and Toronto. They won in Ottawa. This is the only one that's not going to be in Canada. The Sabres like to pull this 12-30, 1 o'clock game on West Coast teams. I think, And that started, <laughs> if you remember, I think, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that started with Tim Murray. That he he would ask for weekend games with West Coast teams so he could start them around one because it's ten o'clock their time. So I think that tradition has you know kept going and here they are with Anaheim. So this is a I can't do math. What is it? A ten thirty a.m. start in California. Yeah, nine thirty. Right? It's nine thirty actually. Nine thirty. See. Yeah. I shouldn't do math. Brian Cozio helps me during games. He is the math teacher, so I, I let him do math. So, yes, so it's a it's a 9.30 game for the Anaheim Ducks. All right. Thanks, Paul. Take care, guys. Paul Hamilton on the Western Hotline as we gear up for Sabres and Ducks 12.30 today. Jeremy and Joe, we've got a wide receiver idea of the day to get to. We'll also follow up some of Paul's thoughts there on, like, yeah, this this mini passive-aggressive feud with the, with the players, if that's what happened. To do that but not tell everybody that's what you're doing? I mean, you hoped someone noticed or hoped someone didn't notice? I don't know. The whole thing is odd, very odd for a team that's, you know, where they are. Anyway, <laughs> wide receiver idea of the day. A more fun subject. Yes, much more fun. Maybe the, maybe the Sabres could use a wide receiver or two. Would it help? <laughs> Would it help? Put up six at a time? Yeah. All right. 803-0550, our phone number if you want to chime in. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. I think she is a Stephen Curry of women's college. I think she has changed the dynamics of the way the game is played. I think the way she plays, the pizzazz, is like she's probably the most prolific scorer the game of basketball has ever seen. I am unwilling, and maybe it's more the, the Kobe mentorship around me, to say that she is great yet. I think she is the most prolific scorer the game has ever seen. I hold great for the levels of immortality or the pantheon to when you win championships. I'm just be that's just me. Jason Williams on Caitlin Clark. This is something I brought up to you, Joe. Last week, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. you know, you, you notice something, you're onto something. I might be late to this, but I've noticed something, and every example of it I want to be able to bring up, which is the LeBron v. MJ debate has ruined everyone's ability to talk about sports. You can't say Caitlin Clark is great until she has a ring. Get out. Great also. Like the adjective great. Great. Is Not great? like immortal, what they were trying to pass Patrick Mahomes off as, or like all like best all the goat. Right? Goat is one of those where like you'll hear that. Just great. Can't say great. Can't say great. Is Josh Allen's is Josh Allen great? She's the I, I'm, all... not, I'm not comfortable saying it yet. I can't say it yet. Yeah. What do you what, what is this? It's not congressional testimony. <laughs> Is he great? Yeah, he's great. She's the all-time leading scorer in what she does. 
And he won't call her and great. He won't call her great. Because Kobe Bryant's mentality is in him or something. Like, I'm telling you. Whether it's LeBron v. MJ, now Mahomes. Well, and, I want to Ma- say it's Ma- just Jordan then at that point that he's poisoned the well because uh, if you don't have six rings, you're not good. Right. And now the next version of that for the next 10 years is going to be Mahomes versus Brady. And it's going to ruin everyone's ability to speak about anything with sports. If you don't have rings, I remember where this came up. It's where when, when Warren Sharp was going to the hockey game and said, who's the, who's the NHL version of McDavid? Or the NFL. Who's the NFL version of Connor McDavid? Because he's, oh, right. he's going yeah, to go yeah. see Connor McDavid. And immediately became like, well, all right, let's think of guys without rings. What? The first identifying factor of well, Connor McDavid to you is that he doesn't have a Stanley Cup because that is not the number one thing that is worth remembering about and him. And I'm not even saying it's right. That's where I think I'm the one who – that's where my mind immediately went. It's nuts. But that's because that's ESPN and right. it's Fox Sports for me growing up. Like that's it, I grew up with the LeBron Jordan debate. But again, it's Jordan. I'm blaming, I'm blaming those who grew up in the 90s. You let Jordan do this to you. <laughs> it's all your fault. It's all Skip Bayless's fault. Whoever decided the day one of LeBron's career was going to be, you know what, we're just going to endlessly make it that he's not any good because he's not Michael Jordan. And then when he does win championships, we'll decide that he didn't do it the right way. Mm-hmm. And then when he wins a lot, we'll say, well, losing in the finals is bad. Like yeah. It's just endlessly with this constant greatness, greatness, greatness. Mahomes has three titles, and it's, well, he's better than the guy with seven. Yeah. In another sport, I hear this a lot with Russell Westbrook, who is dogged everywhere he goes. Like, he is, he's like the most bullied athlete in the world. Like, he always gets dogged for, like, Westbrook, he gets called a lot, and, like, fans are always, you know, chirping him or whatever. And, like, he is, he's treated that way, and because, what, he's not, He's not one of the best in the world. The dude's like an MVP, nine-time All-Star, went to the finals. And I hear that a lot about him. Like, if we can't appreciate this guy for being great, then then it's all, it's all ruined. It's all ruined. A guy that's been like the fifth best in the sport for like 15 years. If we don't think he's good and we're going to trash him everywhere he goes, like, what are we doing? Yeah. What 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 What's the bar, really, for, the, for and this, all this? Again, this, this is, in this case, this is Caitlin Clark. I'm what? not prepared this to def- say she's great. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Good times. You also had this week Kenny Smith saying that the the WNBA three-point line should have been in the... He, he said that Sabrina Ionescu should have shot from the women's line. Right. When which, she almost beat Steph Curry right. and she from had the a, NBA line. Right. She had a number that was equal to everybody else in the NBA three-point competition except for Curry. Who's the greatest shooter of all time. Yes. Right. Like, no one's ever been near as good as him. That was a cool event. That was a cool event. Yeah. And that yeah. was the event they had the LED court for, right? Yes, that was it was fired up and it was, the whole skills competition had the LED court going. It was pretty cool. 8030550 Sabers and Ducks 12:30 today. For, boy, following up on Paul, just get get back to this conversation. This whole the, the Sabers not saluting their fans and how they feel about booing and mm-hmm. how they were mad that the fans chanted fire Donnie when the Sabres were getting blown out by Columbus. Which I need to say, by the way, I was at that game, was in the crowd, they were losing, what they lose, 9-4? to four? Yes. Okay, 9-4. to four. It was chanted. There were fire Granado chants. It was not ringing through the arena. It was a pretty faint chant by, by standards of what you'll hear in sports arenas around the world. I don't know. I didn't think it was that big a deal. I didn't think anything of it until Darlene talked about it. 
in postgame of the Toronto game that they had they had heard it and that they took it personal or whatever he ended up saying about it. And I don't know. Don Granado, as we've pointed out, has been the Sabres coach for longer than anybody else during this playoff drought. And am I wrong in thinking that he does not get as rough a time from the fans as Phil Housley did or Ralph Kruger did? No, that's definitely right. Or Ron, don't forget Ron Ralston. Ron Ralston, Gardner Gloves Ralston. That's right. I don't remember how Bilesma was thought of at the end. Uh, but I don't know. It, it could be recency bias. I don't feel like Granado gets that rough a time. No, I don't think that he does. And so if, that, but if that's the core of this, I don't know. I don't know what they want. 250 games is the coach. And it's mentioned. Well, I guess, again, there was a chant. There was one chant in one game where they gave up nine goals. And that is that the center of this? I mean, if that's the center of this, give me a break. Come on. That cannot possibly be it. All of it, at least. It's if if it is true that they did it consciously, it is it is downright offensive. I wonder if it ever gets does it get talked about again. Again, this the story is the Sabers stopped salute. Wow. Like after a game, you go out and you wave your sticks at the fans. It's only after wins. That only you after do this. Wins. Okay. Yeah, you would never do that after a loss, right? Yeah. Because what they might boo you, or yeah. I don't, I don't know. Depends. Maybe an overtime game, whatever. That they stop doing that. Now, that's not the kind of thing that I would notice either because I, let's be honest, I've gone to a lot of these games and I've left some of these games early. Sometimes because they're winning. Sometimes because they're losing. Sometimes because mm-hmm. I have two toddlers and I want to get out of the garage. Like, it's not always, you know, hockey-based. But the idea that they would make a decision to say, like, screw those fans is, I, I it, it it screams a lack of organizational leadership right well organizational or locker room leadership organization organizational yes yeah i think that that says lack of organizational leadership it goes above players players being uh like paul said i think paul laid it out well players being frustrated or mad about that happening is okay that's fine Someone steps in as a layer and says, but the one thing that's not going to happen is that feeling is not going to be known to them in any way. Well, because that's yeah. that is the that must be the most protected asset we have, the fans. It's something the Sabres over the years have, you know, whether it's whichever GM, whichever coach, whichever single decision. This was a topic we had last week. Like, what was the worst decision they had? Single decision of the drought. And there are a lot of good answers here. But the the worst thing that has happened in the drought is it's actually not 13 straight years without the playoffs. You could live with that on some level. I mean, it's not great, of course, if they had been competitive for nine of them. But they have not even been competitive. They've been competitive for like one of them. Right, one. The worst thing that happened throughout this entire drought, it's not the tank. It's not a trade of this player or that player. What it is is really beating up your fans. That's what you've done. You've 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 the, the pandemic is in the midst there. Their their season ticket numbers would have cratered. Of course, people from Canada can't get in as easily. There's a perfect storm of bad stuff to go and to really destroy their season ticket base. But that's the worst thing that has happened. Is that now if you have a game, if you have a game to go to, like today, you want to go to today's game, even in a season where you're not in a playoff spot, this would have been last year. What made last year so fun? A few things. They're scoring goals, they're in a race, and the building is alive. And the building being alive is a big part of this. 
you got a game on a Thursday against the Panthers, you have tickets, you're thinking, well, I mean, I guess we'll go. Don't expect it to be great on the ice. Don't expect it to be great in the stands. I just expect to sit there and watch a game, and if they win, they're like, okay, okay. The worst thing that has happened throughout this is the disassociation, the the apathy a lot of their fans have. You're you're past the point of screaming and yelling about things. You're just kind of like, yeah, I mean, I don't know when it'll ever get better. This was supposed to be a year. No, it's even worse than that. It's dead. It's just silent. Right. This this was supposed to be a year with a step forward, and the step forward didn't come. And that doesn't mean they're dead for the next ten years, but it's just the worst thing that has happened is what's happened to the fan base. And to yep. to make a point to want to stick it to the people that are still there, I mean that that to me is. I thought Oposo got it wrong back in December after the Columbus game when he said, that's not on us. That's 12 years of frustration. Yeah, oh like, no, that was one night. That was one night. That was, this is Columbus, and you're doing that a lot this year. And I thought he missed the mark that night, and they apparently are continuing to miss the mark as a group. Take take a note, Oposo or anyone on that from Sean McDermott, who I brought up earlier, came in on day one as Bill's head coach and say we said we own the drought that I'm a part of it now. That from the minute I took the job, I'm a part of it. And that attitude, I feel like, is in in this is not getting represented that way at all. And like it maybe it is an organizational thing. Like it it shouldn't have it should have never graduated to that. If they are if it was happening by coincidence or if it was a conscious decision that we're going to stop saluting fans after wins. However it happened. It it graduating to an organizational problem to me, should have never got there in the first place. What do you have a captain for? What do you have a captain for that's been a part of this for eight of the 13 years? You have that for, what, the game ends and they've all went to the locker room. Shouldn't you notice that right away and go, hey guys, that's not how we do things here. We are not, we are, those fans, whatever, like eight years, bring up whatever. But I need a captain and an assistant captain that have been here for a decade <laughs> with the fans to know that we're not we're not not doing this. We are saluting them after every win, and that has not happened. And however, that's if they have either signed off on that or if they have allowed it to happen. If they consciously were the ones that brought that about, I don't know what you have a captain and an assistant captain for at that point. What what are they here for? They're here for the veteran leadership. If that's the result I'm getting, they need to be off the team. They might be soon with the deadline. We'll see. Deadline's uh, a couple weeks away. Jeremy and Joe, good morning. Eight oh three oh five fifty. We got a we got a wide receiver idea the idea of the day to get to. There's two nominees. We'll get maybe you know one today, one tomorrow, but two um, in the free agent department. We've got to get to Mike Evans and Calvin Ridley. Which, of course, you know, might sound expensive, but whatever. We'll consider it. Also, have just seen the worst potential trade suggested <laughs> in the history of the it's, world. It's so bad. On ESPN. It's so ESPN's bad. ESPN's getup has suggested a wide receiver gets traded. I'll just give the whole thing to you. Jerry Judy to the Jets for Zach Wilson. <laughs> well, sounds like a great trade. Who said it? I don't Was know. it Mike Who Tannenbaum? Even, Who even knows? Zach Wilson and his $11 million cap hit for Jerry Judy. Yeah, let's do it. Go. Good times. Hey, Sabres and Ducks and uh, a Wild Wing hot dog. That's the dog of the day. Uh, you can join us if you'd like. 803-0550, one wgr
Instant trivia brought to you by the Farmer's Dog. Fresh human-grade dog food delivered right to your door. Last night, despite the fact that he is still active in Europe, the Pittsburgh Penguins retired the number and honored Yarmir Yager. Yager left the league in 2018. He was drafted in 1990. Yeah. In that stretch, he played for nine teams. Okay. Can you get the nine teams that Yarmir Yager played for in the NHL? Yes, I can. Maybe. Josh, you ready to go to work here? Bonus points if you could do it in order. In order might be no. extremely uh, difficult. Well, on. Let's try. <laughs> Penguins. That's the correct. Yes. 90 I, to 2001. I think the second team was the Rangers. I was going to say Devils. You're both wrong. Okay. On who the second team was. You're both correct in that he did play for the oh, Rangers. Oh, second team was the Capitals. Second team was the Capitals. Mm, Capitals. Yeah, two and a half years with the Capitals. Then the Rangers... He was on the last saber. He was on the last team to lose to yeah. the Sabers in the playoffs. Rangers. Yeah. So Devils is a right answer. We're out of order here, though. But he that's punched fine. Uh, Dinus Zubris in that series. Uh, Rangers. Yeah. Panthers. Panthers is correct. Fun fact about the Panthers: He finished. He got Hart Trophy votes at 43 years old after scoring 27 goals and 66 points with the Panthers. At age 43. So you right. got the Panthers. So we got five. There's four left. You guessed the Devils, right, by the way, yes. Josh? Yep. Devils Penguins, was correct. Penguins, Rangers, Caps, Devils, Panthers. We're up to five. We yep. have four more. Four more. Bruins. Bruins is correct. Only 11 games in the regular season, but then a deep playoff run with Boston at age 40. Okay. Is there any West Coast teams? I feel like there was one. Calgary. Calgary is where he ended his career. Wow. He scored one goal for the Calgary Flames. We're missing two more. Okay. Missing two more. And they were back-to-back. Okay. In fact, they were the first two teams he played for after returning to the NHL after a four-year hiatus in Europe. Flyers. Correct. In fact, did he go to the Cup with the Flyers? I'll double-check. And one more. Do you have anybody you want to say here? I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to go through the East, and we've gone through most of the East already. He it's, went to he went to the finals with Boston, not with Philadelphia. Yeah. I I'm I'm just gonna go with Detroit. Mm, no, I don't think so. never the Red Wings. Is it another Western team? Because I don't have an Eastern team here. Dallas. Dallas is correct. Yeah. Wow. He Dallas. played for Dallas. Yarmir Yager is a, a really good go-to when you're playing Immaculate Grid or Buck Doku. Go look up the Stars like opening night roster from that season. Their first line was Jamie Benn, Derek Roy, and Yarmir Yager. Wow. That was a team. That was their plan. They Did, thought that would win. You had your stat about Jonathan... Who, John, John Tyler. John Tyler. President, the 10th president of our United States. Yeah. Well, I want to thank uh, Random Bills fan for tweeting this out. There was an NHL Europe graphic that Yarmir Yager... You know how you do like the... Kevin Bacon game, six degrees of separation. Like, he was in a movie with this person and then with this person. So, Yager. Ready? Yager played games with Gordy Roberts, who played games with Gordy Howe, who played games with Bill Gadsby, who played games with Mo Roberts, who played games with Jerry Jiren, who played for the Montreal Wanderers the first day in NHL history. 
He is five wow. he is five degrees from the first game in <laughs> NHL history, which was played in 1917. That's unbelievable. Yager. <laughs> wow. And the funny thing about Yager, so his ceremony, he skates around the ice in full gear. He Did you see he practiced with the team over the weekend? Wouldn't everybody think he could just come back and like put one in? They, come on, they're... They're only two points above the Sabres, so what are they? They're eight points out. Suit them up. Suit them up. Play them on the third line. Play them ten minutes. How bad's it going to go? He's still playing in Europe at 52. That was pretty cool. When's the last time you saw that, where like a guy was getting his number retired or something, and he's he's out there in full gear? Like, he wants to remind everybody, hey, I can still do this. Mm -hmm. All right, that's it for instant trivia. Good trivia. Fun one. Good for Yager. They had a good ceremony for him. It's better than the 12 uh, former Sabres that he assisted on goals by. Ooh, that wow. would have been tough. That would have been tough. Derek Roy. He actually didn't assist on a goal oh. by Derek Roy, but he did for Drury and Briere. Think of how many contacts Yager has in his phone. <laughs> Is it more than anybody on earth? He might have more than anybody on earth. All these leagues, all these teams. You think he just gets the phone number of every teammate he's ever had? Yes. So I he think, has. Do you have, okay, so you said he was in Calgary at the end. He has Johnny Goudreau's number. Yeah. Not only that, I bet he has a secret handshake with him or something. With Johnny, Goudreau. he'd probably you know like Josh Allen has handshakes with every teammate. Yeah. I bet Yager's got everybody's phone number. He'd forget though. No. It's, it's too many handshakes. <laughs> How many handshakes can one remember? That's a good question. All right, wide receiver idea of the day coming up. In our uh, final hour of the show, Sabres and Ducks coming up 1230, of course, the game here on uh, WGR. So stay tuned for that. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. Yeah, I think he would actually be a great fit with New York, and here's why. Oh, my gosh. Why you want to Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson? Absolutely. Pay him a million dollars and let him resurrect his career. <laughs> I actually have experience with this. Vinny Testaverde got cut by the Baltimore Ravens. We signed him in June and went to the championship game that year. Where, where else is he going to go? He has to resurrect his career. So if you have to sit for a year, why not sit behind one of the greatest of all times and then be a free agent again? He's 36 years old. No one's going to hand him a starting job. He's going to have to be a backup somewhere. The, the Florham Park would be like the real husbands of Hollywood. If you have Aaron Rodgers Man. and Russell Wilson. You would have to put them back on hard knocks. <laughs> you have, have to. to do right. it again. You would have to. Mike Tenenbaum on ESPN's Get Up. Russell Wilson, how about to the Jets? The big story of the weekend from the NFL about quarterback. There's a little bit of buzz of Cousins to Atlanta. Yep. Cousins. His wife is from there, I guess. Yeah. The other one, though, is that it appears the Steelers are going to go with either Kenny Pickett or Mason Rudolph. All right. Now, why would Good you just them? Why would you say that? Not only that, they can't decide between the two. Why would you say that? Why would you close the door? I mean, I'm sure they're not actually closing the door, right? Could they have conversations about Fields and maybe Russell Wilson, maybe a draft pick? They could. Jerry Dulac is the Steelers reporter that mm-hmm. has reported this that the Steelers appear to be. Torn between Mason Rudolph and Kenny Pickett. Okay. Great. That sounds like being torn between Lossman and Edwards, right? You're just living in that spot of... Wow, that's such a good comparison. It really is. It's a a first-rounder that didn't do much and a third-rounder, and what are we doing here? Yeah. Arthur Smith with one of those two guys. Okay, good luck. 
Warren Sharp, I saw say, not a serious franchise. I saw a stat this weekend that they only have, since Ben Roethlisberger retired, they have 25 passing touchdowns. Yes. 25, and they've made the playoffs. It's not fair that no. they've been allowed to make the playoffs. But I'm very glad to see this is where they're at. They're, they're, they just don't know. They have no clue. No clue what wins. If they think Pickett and Rudolph, oh, we just can't decide. These guys are both so good. Rudolph doesn't even have a contract. That would have to imply that they're in, they're real impressed by him. Think of that. The guy's a free agent. He can go anywhere. You aren't tied to him. It's not like he's, oh, he'll be back because he's under contract. You'd have to actively bring him back to the team. And you were that impressed in three games in his fourth season? It's not like he hasn't been there. It's not like some some newfound, like, oh, we just threw this guy in, see what happened? He played games for them in 2019. And the two years after that. So I don't know. I don't know what they thought. Mason Mason Rudolph had so much power that he changed their opinion in three weeks at the end of that career. If you're if you're in a spot where a quarterback that quickly with that resume can convince you that he should be the starting quarterback for week one of the next year, I mean it should tell you everything you need to know about Tomlin Steelers right now. Also, internal division, not Tomlin Steelers with that culture. <laughs> that's right. That's no right. internal division there ever. Eight oh three oh five fifty. Got a wide receiver idea of the day. Maybe we should revisit one we talked about at the end of last week. Dan Graziano, ESPN, is writing about the Brandon Ayuk situation. Mm-hmm. Here's what he writes. Given the way the rest of the wide receiver market still hasn't shaken out, it's going to be very difficult for the Niners to navigate this offseason. They could use help at every offensive line position other than left tackle. They need to replace older vets. They probably have to do something about linebacker. But here's what he writes for Ayuk as the most likely outcome. To me, the most likely way this shakes out is Ayuk ends up getting traded to a team where he's the clear number one wideout, where he can get the extension he wants, leaving the Niners to draft his replacement in the first round. That's the cleanest way for them to address all their other needs. I see San Francisco extending uh, Hafanga and coming mm-hmm. to some sort of arrangement with Juszczyk and Greenlaw keeps them around that leaves the Niners to run it back with the same basic core, some upgrades in key spots, and Ayuk cheering them on from afar. Dan Graziano thinks Ayuk's getting traded. Wow. Now, if you missed it last week, my take on Ayuk is this. This is the next Diggs trade. He is going to be what Diggs was, is here. Mm -hmm. He was a great player, not used as much as he could be. And if a team decides, we'll give you a first-round pick for Brandon Ayuk, which would be a good idea for a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it a good idea for the Bills? All right, let, me, let me chew on this for a minute. It's well, the, in a vacuum, yes. right. A, it's, a, it's, it's, just, it's just figuring out the money after the fact. Right? Yes, to a degree. Here's the problem. There's still a, there's still a problem here. Like Diggs and his money exists. This is the only actual reasonable replacement for Diggs that's, I mean, been mentioned. I haven't seen anybody mention him to the Bills as a realistic option. But for anybody out there that wants to talk about moving on from Diggs, and the easy response is an immediate, what on earth are you going to do with number one receiver? This is a viable plan. That. It's the only one. It's a more viable plan than Mike Evans, than Mm -hmm. Calvin Ridley, than T. Higgins, is Ayuk. Mm -hmm. He's better than them all. He's a true number one who is, he's Diggs. 
He's the number one receiver in the NFL in yards per target and only got targeted 105 times. Get him 150 targets, you'll get 1,800 yards. Like Ayuk on a team that will throw it is a cheat code. He is awesome. He's young. He's awesome. He's going to get a big contract. So, boy, Joe, how am I spinning this for the Bills? They call. They offer 28, if that's even enough. They traded 20 for Diggs and brought him here and got him signed to a contract. Mm-hmm. You trade for Ayuk. You give him the 28th pick. It's probably not enough. You, ex- you give him 28 and Shakir. You extend him and lower his cap hit this year so you can fit him and Diggs at the same time. Then you move on from Diggs next year, and Ayuk is your new number one. And in the process, you draft a number two in the second round. Like, to me, it, well, the, yeah. it's, it's a lot of work. And I was going back and forth with a few people on this on Twitter where – you could you could do the money. Greg Thompson, cover one, actually did a mock contract for Ayuk, how you could make it work. And you could do it. But you probably can't give him as much money up front as other teams. And everything everything for me, Joe, always circles right back to your best plan is to just keep Stefan Diggs, have him continue to be very good, have Shakir continue to be very good, and draft a receiver in the first round. And you should be very good. You could move heaven and earth if you want to. Or you could take a very easy, reasonable, not giving up assets, not giving up big money way, and just draft one in the first round, Brian Thomas Jr. Or, you know, maybe second round, who knows where these guys all slide in, like mm-hmm. Javon Baker. There are good options outside the top three that are cheap, that'll come in, that'll contribute. Ayuk is a tremendous player. And if you were on the Bills, it would translate to, it would honestly be the next Diggs trade for me because Diggs was one of my favorite players to watch before he came here. And Ayuk is on the short list of that for me. Like the, My only other receiver I like watching more than him might be Amonra St. Brown. Mm-hmm. That guy's unbelievably fun to watch, and he's not about to get traded. So Ayuk's a great idea. It would, just, it, it, would, it would involve a symphony from Brandon Bean to get all those pieces, all those working parts in place. Well, let me ask a question. What, what made trading for Diggs a first-round pick when they did it? What made that better, a better idea than just drafting one? Uh, the guarantee that you were going to get it right. Right. That would be what you're doing with Ayuk. Yes. And at that time, why they traded for Diggs, they didn't have a number one wide receiver in the building for the next, not just that year, for years. They didn't have that guy in the building. How different is that right now? Very. You, you might think you have that for this year. It is. But you. I, I feel like it's a similar enough spot where I don't know who their number one receiver is three years from now. I in, hope in, it's a first-round pick guy, but right, the the same theory would be put into place of I'm trading the 22nd pick for Diggs because I'm eliminating the risk. I'm eliminating some fact that I miss on the pick or whatever. Or there's not a guy there. I am just locking in. This guy's great. He's my number one wide receiver for the next five years. That would be exactly what you're doing by trading for Brandon Ayuk. You would eliminate all risk of... You'd pay three, for it. You'd pay for it in a big way, yep. but... That would be the same mentality of, I don't know who my number one wide receiver is down the road here. I don't know who my number one wide receiver is long term. And I'm going to draft the guy and hope that that guy's the guy. I still like that idea a ton. But if I do that for Brandon Ayuk, I know it. I know the answer for five years. The funny thing about Ayuk, it's a little bit of irony here. Because as you lay out that trade, like the Diggs-Jefferson trade, you'll have some people say, well, you probably should have just stayed put and drafted Jefferson. Which we should all raise our hand and say, oh, really? The Bills, who... Clearly, take, that's the guy that also wants Mahomes. 
That guy's got that guy's got a a Bills team in his head with Mahomes throwing passes to Justin Jefferson. But that's that's in the world where the Bills just you know draft receivers high, which we've seen they don't do. Hopefully until this year. Do you know the receiver that was taken right after Jefferson? Uh, I know. Wasn't the guy before him Jalen Rager? That's right. I don't remember who went after him. No, Ayuk. Was it really? He was was three picks later. So what you're saying is they probably would have got it right if they just said, even if they didn't get Jefferson, they might have taken. Who went it. after Ayuk? Wasn't it like a three more really good guys? T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, so, and uh, Lavisca Chenault. Okay, so they probably were going to end up with a pretty darn good guy anyway. But they, again, they, no. no what's, what, what? Let's be real. What, what would they probably have done? Hold on, let me go through the draft here. After Justin Jefferson was uh, linebacker Kenneth Murray, they would have done that. Or they would have taken corner uh, I Jeff. Don't know. They, they would have taken corner Jeff Gladney. You think if they didn't trade for Diggs, they weren't picking a receiver there? Wasn't the Diggs trade them showing that we needed a receiver? Yes, because one became available, and it was obvious they've needed a receiver for three years. But they knew then they needed a number one receiver. If okay. they didn't find their way to a veteran, I I don't know. I I feel pretty confident they that had, they knew that they needed a number one some way or another. They had Cole Beasley and John Brown off the street, and right. what did they do in last year's draft? They did not draft a receiver until the fifth round. Brown, who, by the way, I looked, Brown's year before they traded for Diggs was very similar to the year Diggs just had. Brown had 115 targets, 1,060 yards, and six touchdowns, and Diggs just had, on 160 targets, 1,100 yards, 83, and then eight touchdowns. So... They had a guy that was pretty good. Like, John Brown was not Diggs, not, didn't have the track record of Diggs, but the season he was coming off of was, was pretty good. But you can do better. Yeah. And that's kind of what just happened with Diggs a little bit. It's That was a pretty good year by Diggs. It's very different in that it was split, one first half versus second half. But I think there's merit to it. I think, And I also, but, I don't know, I think they would have done it if they hadn't traded for Diggs. They would have drafted one of those receivers. I'm not convinced at all. In the face of needing receiver badly, they continue to not take one. This year, they're finally going to do it. But I would not be convinced at all they would have taken a receiver. No way. Yeah. I got Mike, take a, I'm sorry, just taking the two sides. I got to take a picture of this Jerry Judy for Zach Wilson trade. That they're Now they've got a graphic for it. Yeah. They've got a graphic for it. Oh, it's so good. So back to the Ayuk idea and the Diggs idea. Like, Here's the other part of it. So it's not just a... Again, I can't really get the Bills to get to that spot because it's so many moving parts. If they do this, they have to give Ayuk massive money. And sure, they can move some of that into future years, but it's still a big hit this year no matter what. I think the cap hit – let me pull up what it was that, that Greg had it at, this uh, mock contract, because other teams are going to be able to offer more. Teams that aren't strapped on the cap, right? Teams that aren't in that spot. And other teams are going to be able to – I don't know, be more willing to part with some of their assets or just it's gonna be tough. I, I don't I don't see an IUK trade as an actual realistic thing for the for the Bills. So let me ask you how many teams is it realistic for then? The teams that are that have rookie quarterback contracts? Mm, probably. Houston. I wouldn't do it if I'm Houston because I'm already I'm I'm borderline set at receiver. I know, man, but if I do that if I'm Houston, I feel like I'm the I, best I, offense I am, in football. I'm coming after the Chiefs if I do that, right? Yep. That if I like, walk into next year with Brandon Ayuk, Nico Collins, and Tank Dell, who is coming off an injury, but I saw a report this weekend he'll be good by OTA, so he's he's doing fine there. I uh, man, I would if I'm Houston, I would love that idea because 
that's me taking a step towards being one of these elite, unstoppable teams. I'm, I'm the Bengals now, at least, right? How have the Bengals been great? They have an elite franchise quarterback with three really good wide receivers. And if I'm the Texans, I, I think I walk in knowing I'm the same thing next year if I do that. Um, so that's just one team. I, it probably does have to be a team, though, with a rookie quarterback contract. Which, by the way, is the 49ers. Which is why it just doesn't make sense to me that they just wouldn't do that. They wouldn't just pay him. He's great. It. I don't know about him being disgruntled. It sounds like to me a lot of the reporting and the talk about him is that the, one, the only reason you're giving him to be disgruntled is you're not paying him. So just pay him. Pay him like the elite receiver that he is and you don't have to move this guy off the roster and then kind of start from scratch behind Debo Samuel at wide receiver. But I feel like it's got to be a team with a rookie quarterback contract that's going to do it. If they do it. Speaking of that, seen a little bit of Mike Evans chatter to Carolina. Which is nuts, mm. right? Yeah. Carolina doesn't have receivers, but why would anybody... Is that the, is that the least desirable team to go to right now? Carolina? Especially yes, for... Definitely. How old is Mike Evans? 31? 32? Like, he's going into probably his last big contract. He's going to go to... He's going to go to Carolina to do what? Win five games? Six games? I don't see it. They'll do something desperate, though, because they need a receiver badly. One, one thing on that, though, about like Evans to Carolina, you might want to try and convince him to come here. How effective can the Bills be on come here to win? Still effective. I don't think there's any doubt about that, right? But if you go back to, I don't know, a couple of years ago, is J.J. Watt my best example? Is Beckham my example that I want here? Like, Beckham signs in Baltimore, and there was probably a little bit of a, oh, I thought you wanted a chance to win, right? Bills fans had the opportunity to go puff your chest out. Hey, if you want to come win a Super Bowl, come here. Kansas City can definitely claim that. Who's the second best team right now to claim that? Come here if you want to win. In the entire NFL. Because I do think for a good two years, the Bills would have been a popular answer at number two. And mm-hmm. would you put them at number two right now for that? I'm not saying they should be very far down the list. Yeah. Bucky Brooks listed eight Super Bowl windows <laughs> in his article and left the Bills out of it, not in the top eight. Uh-huh. Like, come here if you want to win. The list used to be Kansas City, Buffalo, Philly, had a couple good strong years. San Francisco. San Francisco. And right about now, if let's say there's two teams working on a receiver. It's Mike Evans or it's... You know, you're trying to get a, a veteran to come, and the, the final piece is chance to win. It's the Bills and the Lions. Who's mm-hmm. got the better argument? Probably the Bills because of Josh Allen. I think it's because of Allen. Okay, it's the Bills and the Bengals. It's the Bills and the Texans. It's the Bills and I throw out a couple more Baltimore. I just I don't I don't know how effective the come here if you want to win. Bill's argument is it's probably still pretty good, but it doesn't look like the clear number two or one B that it felt like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, they did it, right? They got Vaughn. Yeah. Vaughn, they paid Vaughn more than Dallas. We know for sure because Vaughn said that. But they got Vaughn because of who they had become and because of Allen and because of the desire to want to win another Super Bowl. Can they do that again? I mean, what is. If Mike Evans is getting courted by the Bills 
and he's got to take less money to come here. But the the idea is what we're going to sell you on. Your chance to win a Super Bowl is going to be a lot higher here than certainly Carolina. Who's isn't he calling Von Miller? I'm not saying it's going poorly, but it'll maybe be up to some of those guys. Like, how's it going here? Like, oh yeah, you should totally do this. Like, we're going to win. We're close. There's a belief here in that. I would hope they wouldn't read into the Diggs thing without knowing, maybe texting him first about that, because Diggs even said he was a part of the reason that Vaughn came here. That he I don't know if he would have said the word recruited, but Vaughn did talk about on a podcast that he would have talked to Diggs before signing with the Bills. So that's another element of if if it's out there in the winds, even if it's un, and if it, it's unfounded that Diggs is unhappy and wants out. Like I would hope Mike Evans would reach out to him first and be like, "All oh, that's BS," and you should definitely come here because we're that close. Yeah, it'll come down to player recruitment. I think as much as anything, player recruitment is how they got Beckham in the building. You might need Vaughn. Can he? He's got twenty million dollars on the cap, and I don't trust him to get a lot of sacks next year. So maybe one of the benefits of still having him here would be go get us one of these top players you've been trying to get us for two years. Free agency starts less than a month. Combines next week. Free agency, Mar- the legal tampering is March 11th to 13th. Legal tampering. Legal yeah, tampering. Wait. Set the calendar for legal tampering. Yeah, I'm excited for it. 803-0550. Meanwhile, tomorrow is the uh, opening of the franchise tag window. Yes, which is why, where all this started because it sounds like Evans is not going to get tagged by the, by the Bucks. Yep. T. Higgins likely to get franchise tagged. Have you seen anything on Michael Pittman for that? No. How do they not tag him? Everything I read about Michael Pittman includes a little blurb in there about how the Colts expect to lose him, and I don't understand how they would possibly let that happen. The tag is $21.3 million. They should pay him that. What, like, I don't even understand why they wouldn't. He's young. He's 26. He's great. I mean, you're not even making the long-term commitment. That would be a weird one if he, uh, if he went to market because he's very good. 803-0550. Jeremy and Joe... On WGR. Josh tells us this is the 1988 Daytona 500 theme. Does the Daytona 500 have a theme? Like a current one? Or is it... Um, like for the broadcast, I'm sure they have something. Like the they? Masters has a song. Yeah. Do they just use the Fox Sports theme that's for everything? That's what I'm wondering. Daytona 500 today at 4 o'clock. It got pushed off because of the weather. All right, on a Monday, President's Day. Most people are off. Monday Are race? most people off? Some people are I don't off. know. We're not. We're not. We're here. Um, the race also being at 4, I guess it's close enough to, if you are working, Maybe you're getting off in time. I don't know that I can name you a Daytona 500 winner from like the last five years. When's the last time Jimmy Johnson won? Or Jeff Gordon? Jeff Gordon. That's you're, way. That's way long. You're ago. going. You're going back there. That's too long ago. Last year. Okay. No, I know who these people are. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Last year. Mm-hmm. Austin Sindrick. Year before that. Didn't have that. Denny Hamlin. Two years in a row. Denny Hamlin. Excuse me. Two years in a row. Kurt Busch, Danny Hamlin, Joey Pagano, Dale Earnhardt Jr. This is a stat that race, you know, race car folks will know. 
that maybe the average person or non-race car person doesn't know. Do you know how many times Dale Earnhardt won Daytona? No. Senior? Like four. Would be my guess. Part of what well, first off, he died at age forty nine. Like he died at at the Daytona five hundred. Yep. But his uh his all time wins, they pull up all of his wins because he's you know he's a legend and mm-hmm. the reason I I think about it is because I'm thinking back to all of our conversations about can he win the big one? Can Josh prove he can do? In these <laughs> races, there's you know like, what forty cars. He has seventy six victories, Earnhardt, seventh all time. All-time leader in race victories at Daytona International Speedway with 34. He won the Daytona 500 in 1998. One time. That's it? But he's the all-time leader in wins at, at the, the racetrack? Yeah. yeah. 26 career wins, two stand apart, 2004 and 2014 Daytona 500. Sorry, won it twice. But it took him a long time mm-hmm. to ultimately win it. Versus Richard Petty, who had seven. Wait, sorry, my my Googling is now, he didn't win 2004, 2014, that was junior. My Googling on this and having the stat right at the ready is mixing senior and junior. <laughs> so when you, type oh, okay. in, yeah. Yeah, when you type in Dale Earnhardt Jr. wins, uh, Earnhardt won consecutive titles on three separate occasions, 76 victories, seventh all time. Yeah, but just that one. Like he, was, he would have been another where if NASCAR had a social media machine like, can this guy win the big one? That's... It's, it's every sport. And then he did. Yeah, he's fine. 803-0550. Anyway, Daytona today, if you want it. After the Sabre game. Yeah. 1998 Daytona 500 for Dale. Um, Sabre game. Here's a fun stat for you. Of goalies that have played 30 games or more, mm-hmm. where does Uka Pekka Lukanen rank in pretty much everything? Goal save above expected, goal saved above expected per 60, I don't know which which stat you want here. Does he rank like he does he rank kind of like in the teens somewhere? I'm oh. betting like a middle of the road starting goalie on the season, like not quite Vesna nominee season, but he's not one of the wor- the, the the lesser starters of the guys that have played 30 games. 30. Yeah, how many have played 30 games? Do you have? Um, I mean, the list I'm on has 27 goalies have played 30 okay. games. So about one per team. He's 10th. Okay. Ukapakalukin on goals save above expected is above. Vasilevsky. Yep. Sorokin. Yep. Shesterkin. I was going to say Shesterkin's down there a little bit this year. Stuart Skinner. Yeah. He's ahead of Ottinger. These are all really good. UC Soros, Philip Gustafson. Like, he's 10th among guys that have played as many games as he has. I, I put the, the limiter on 30 games because that's how many games Lukanen's played 30. Mm-hmm. And if you go to some of the other stats, like, who knows? Like, you've got so many advanced stats. Whichever one you might like. Do you like quality starts? Mm-hmm. Do you like uh, goal save above expected? The, he, That's the one I look at the most okay. usually. Yep. He's in great shape. And he might even be the yep. best saber at that in the last five years. Goal save above expected? Yeah. I know he's number one in the league since December 1st. Or January 1st. Maybe let me look, look at that before. But in either the last month or two months, he's like in goal save above expected, the number one goalie in hockey. Yeah. I've got him at Money Puck. So goal saved above expected, with the, the game minimum being 10 games, you have 69 goalies that qualify, and he's 23rd. So kind of the same thing, right? Like you've got more goalies in there that have played fewer games. The reason I bring that up, though, out of 69 goalies, you know where Devin Levi is? 37th. 
Like, not bad at all. Like, middle of the road, better than... He's better than Igor Shosturkin on the season. He's better than Stuart Skinner, who just won like 10 games in a row. He's better than Jake Ottinger on the season. Marc-Andre Fleury, UC Saros. Like, I, I, I saw a lot of this weekend... I don't remember what it was in reference to. This is why Levi should have been in Rochester all along. Maybe that's right. I'm not, like, thinking that that's just, of course, not over. But he's having a completely normal season for a 21-year-old. He's been... Well, for a 21-year-old. For a 20... But but that's what he is, right? Like Right, right. But but should you have been doing that with a 21-year-old? That's what I was getting to. The pl- They're almost lucky Lukanen's had this year. The Sabres' plan was not Ukapekalukanen. Here's how they came out this season. Lukanen has turned into this revelation. He's been very good for them. Their first six games of the year, they went Levi, 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 Comrie, Comrie. And the, UPL and then, wasn't even in the rotation. And, and did UPL play because Levi was hurt? Levi was hurt. Levi got hurt against Calgary, his fourth start. Then they played Comrie in back-to-back games, and then they got to Lukanen. And at the end of last year, Lukanen not only wasn't playing over Levi, Comrie was the one they were putting on the bench. Lukanen wasn't even dressing. Yeah. So I don't want to take all credit away from them. I was saying they should have waived him. So luckily they didn't do that. But they did not act like their plan this season was that this was about to happen with Ukapeka Lukanen. Because, again, it took till game seven of the season before they finally got to him. And by that point, they were two and four. Not to say that's like where the season ended. It's after six no, games, but, but if it, it might be as, it might be stupid to do it, but if you'd gotten Lucan and goaltending in those six games, mm-hmm. you might be, you know, five points out of a playoff spot. Maybe. I mean, Levi wasn't horrid to start the season, right? No, he's, I mean, his fine. at the end of the day, again, his numbers, at least by goal saved over expected, he's just been average. Yeah, an average NHL goaltender. As a 21-year-old rookie. And then he's going down to Rochester. This is what it was in reference to. Uh, the He should have been in Rochester all along. He had another big win for Rochester on Saturday. And his numbers in Rochester are really excellent. Good. So It's a good sign. He's playing well down there. Really good down there. He's played at an average level in the NHL. So I'm liking this Lukanen story too. But I just don't know where they are at goalie-wise. They'll have to pay Lukanen. He's at RFA. Yep. That'll be interesting to see like how that money goes off of, what, a half of a good year? Yeah. Three quarters of a good year? And if you want, and Andrew Peters mentioned on his podcast that they are they were looking at number one goaltenders, hmm. even still with Lukanen having this season. I don't know. That's, that, that gets to right anything should be on the table. Sab- You're having this season, nobody is safe. Sabres and Ducks today. In Extendo Sports, we'll talk about the potential for the greatest tiebreaker there is to decide a major championship. Breaking sports news airs first here. Guaranteed. WGR Sports Radio 550. 2020 Sports. Extendo Sports. Okay, so over the weekend we had the Genesis Invitational, the NBA All-Star Skills Competition and All-Star Game. We had a rained out Daytona 500 that got moved to today. We also had some good action in the Premier League. Man City tied Chelsea, which is a loss. Let's go, Chelsea. It's a loss in the race for them. Yep. That's two points lost. Yeah. And every point lost is big. So the funny thing is, in the last two weeks, 
Joe's a Liverpool fan. They're in first place. By two points over Arsenal, my favorite team. And then Man City has a game in hand, and they're four points out of first, two points behind Arsenal. That's not what we're talking about. That's not important right now. They will each play 13 more games. And they're all the three teams are separated by four points. If City wins their game in hand, it's three teams separated by two points mm-hmm. with 13 games remaining. Goal differential is the tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. Arsenal's last two games, they just went 11-plus on goal differential and now lead. 5 nothing and 6 nothing. Yeah. Nil, sorry. 6-0. Maybe it was 5-1. Either way, I think it was 5 nothing, 6 nothing. Anyway. Yeah, it was. They have yep. screamed at the top of the goal differential, which is great. Because the absolute best case scenario for Psycho is on Championship Sunday. Every team plays at the same time. There's no Monday Night Football, no Saturday. Everybody's playing the same time. The Premier League does not want you knowing what you need to get. Go play. Mm-hmm. It is possible that any one of three teams could be alive for the title on the last game of the season. It is also possible it could come down. None of them play each other. And it's very possible that it could come down to goal differential, where for 90 minutes, Arsenal plays Everton and Liverpool plays Wolves and City plays West Ham. One of the outcomes is whoever scores the most goals wins in their yeah. game. And a 90-minute window of watching these three games yeah. where the live table goes crazy as they're just trying to score as many goals as possible. Would be amazing. It would be insane. It would be nuts. Yeah. Also, as a viewing experience, it would be... It, it would be on... I mean, do you want a red zone for that or do you want three different TVs? I think I want three different TVs for that. Yeah. Watching I mean, Championship Sunday two years ago... Liverpool's scenario there was they were in second, City was in first. They needed to win and just have City lose. That was it. And City got down one nothing in the they game? They got down 2 nothing mm. to Aston Villa. I will never forgive Aston Villa. They were in the second half up 2 nothing, And I'm at a Liverpool's backer, Liverpool backer bar, and we're like, we're all, oh, they're going to win the league. Like, here we go. Just hang on. We were at a point where... This is this is a f- interesting experience. Your team is playing right now to win a championship, and we're all turned to the other screen because they're up. They're up. What three one on Wolves? They're good. They're yep. they're gonna they're gonna beat them. We are all glued to City and their game as they slowly picked apart Villa and came back and won. Very sad experience. But that was with two games that you cared about. I can't I can't imagine having three. I would need like three t- all around me and just like a, a, a swivel chair where I can just yeah. like go in a circle like the whole time. And it, it might even be that, you know, sometimes just like when the Bills win and the Bengals lose and the Bills go to the playoffs, you might have that scenario where yeah. you need a Liverpool win and a City loss. It really, that would be, that's exciting as it is, or a tie and a win. But just, but the goals won. With if it comes down the, to like, the, they're, they're all even on points, it's going to come down to goals. Yeah. And as one, an Everton. As, as an Everton fan, too, that game could also mean for Everton, Arsenal... Relegation. Could mean relegation. They're yep. currently in a relegation position. They've never been relegated out of the Premier League. They're in the relegation zone because of the 10-point penalty right. that they got. Yeah, Everton's never been relegated. There have been six teams that have never been relegated. Yeah, they're they're one of them. Yeah. I, I don't know the other five, though. You, you know, Relegated under the current format. You know what else it could mean? Everton... Their big rivals are Liverpool. They play in the same right. city. They're in Liverpool. Their stadiums are like super close to each other. How's an Everton fan gonna feel about? <laughs> do we want to score here? Like no, like all right, our, they play Arsenal. Yeah, all right, City's out. What something happened? They're out. So now it's Liverpool and Arsenal. Liverpool's ahead, and basically 
An Everton fan knows if we score a goal here, Liverpool wins the title. But we, if we lose, we don't want to do that. And how much how much sportsmanship do you get from the Everton manager? Let's say they're safe from relegation. Yeah. Do you knowing how crazy rivalries are over there? It's nothing like here. No. Right. I mean, I might want to guess Everton fans if their manager. If they scored a goal to like give the the title to Liverpool, would want their manager fired. <laughs> that is if they're safe from relegation, of course. I don't like this. I want a different team playing Arsenal. This is like how Sh- there's going to be some shenanigans. The, I can already feel it. They're gonna, they're going to play their B team because they just don't. They want to give Liverpool any chance. The closest comparison is over here. Is hey, the Steelers are playing the Ravens in the last week of the season. Won't Baltimore be up for that game? No, not at all. They don't care. You know they've got bigger fish to fry. And they, of course, on their way to the playoffs. In the Premier League, there's no playoffs, so your last game of the season. Yeah, Today, Everton plays Crystal Palace. Big one for the relegation zone. If they win, it puts Crystal Palace closer. They're in 16th right now. Yeah, and puts Luton Town in the relegation zone. Luton oh, Town. So Luton Town. Luton Town played Man United this weekend, another game I, I watched a good chunk of. And watching a game from Luton Town is like watching a game from a high school gym. <laughs> the camera is so close to the field, it, you, you get dizzy. The thing is swinging back and forth. You're looking straight. It was not built for HD You're looking television. straight down onto a player when they're on the touchline right by, the, by yeah. the camera. Holy cow. It's it's amazing. It's so small. And that place is raucous. They've, whatever, they put on some, some pesky performances against some of the bigger clubs. And uh, they lost to Man United. All right, I've done it. I've, I've created a Sabres lineup created only of players that scored goals that Yarmir Yager assisted on. You ready? He assisted on 12. 12 former Sabres scored goals that Yager assisted on. You've got Briere, you've got Drury, and you've got Barnes down the middle. Okay. You've got Barnaby and Brad Boyce. You've got Zubris and Mike Greer. I can't wait to find out the goalie that assisted on a... Unfortunately, there's no goalie. But you can't do one that he assisted on the Yager goal as opposed to Yager assisted him? I I gotta figure out. I gotta email Stathead. Stathead will give me the goal... Will give me the players that scored on goals that Yager assisted on, but they won't let me do it in reverse. They won't tell me who has the most assists all time, for instance, hmm. on Yager goal. I mean, it's probably Lemieux. But, right, for the Sabre guys... Can't find it. You'd have to put him in individually. Like I know Derek Roy did, but Mike Ramsey, Brian Campbell also on this list. Wasn't there a stat that you had once in here that he had played with someone in the Stanley Cup Finals like every year for like three decades? Yes. It's crazy. Go to you want to watch go want to see something crazy today on the internet? Go to Yarmir Yager's uh hockey DB page. Go look at his how long the page is. <laughs> you have to scroll down like four times because it is still going. He has four points this season in 15 games. Who's more. he playing for? The Cladno Knights. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know how to say it, but I think, I'm Knights. assuming it's <laughs> We We never got a chance to get to the Vince Carter dunk competition oh. from 2000. Which you claimed I didn't know about. I, I only asked if you knew about that dunk contest. Like, knowing Vince Carter dunks... Is one thing when he did that dunk contest with Tracy McGrady, it was just like the peak of the dunk contest. However, somebody did point out that a few years back, is it Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon? Yes, was that was an a good unbelievably was good, a good dunk con- contest. Also, yes, yeah, is that right? Is that who it was? Zach it Levine? was, yeah, those two. But Vince Carter dunk contest, like the absolute peak. 
Again, that's also the year 2000. I'm 20, 20 at the time, 21. So maybe I was just vibing that. It's awesome. The spinning dunks. He put his entire elbow inside the rim. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And the cool thing about the dunk contest, maybe the best part of that hi- the highlight package of Vince Carter winning the 2000 dunk contest, count the Hall of Famers. Because what like you that s- are participating? That are just watching. Oh, they're watching. Well, like I, I always remember the clip of Shaq, like with his mouth open in the he's got the, a camcorder. Camera. Yeah. And there's Isaiah Thomas, and there's everybody who's anybody is there to see him. Just mash. It was awesome. So cool. All right, the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show is coming up next. Uh, Sal, live from KeyBank Center. It's a Sabers game day, twelve thirty against the. Anaheim Ducks. We're back tomorrow. We'll recap it. We'll speak with head coach Don Granado about the win or loss or whatever happens. You know, that's how it goes as the Sabres uh, hit the home stretch of the season here. It's also franchise tag window opening tomorrow. So maybe some news on that. Not expecting anybody from the Bills, of course. Cheers. We're back tomorrow here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.